0: Freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show. Do stay tuned till the very end if you can. 50 years of martial amps. We've got a guitarist coming in to play some rack, which is very, very exciting. But coming up before that, hundreds of complaints every day about bin collections in Aylesbury. How often should we have our bins collected? British Gas announced another increase in fuel prices. Can you afford to heat your home? And one in ten of us say we've seen a UFO. Have you? I want your UFO stories. I love all this stuff. I've seen one. Oh, yeah, no, I've seen one. And I get mercilessly teased in the office for admitting it. You should have seen Dee face yesterday when I came out. and said, yeah, I've seen one. What of it? You can get in touch many, many ways. You can email... 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or, and this, let's be honest, this is the best way to do it on a Friday, you can give me a call, 08459 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Now, if you live in Aylesbury, you will have noticed big changes, big changes to your rubbish, rubbish collection over the last month. You should have new bins for recycling, and your collection date may have changed. Now, that, that kind of sounds fair enough, doesn't it, really? But some people aren't very happy. In fact, quite a few people aren't very happy. More than 600 complaints are being made every single day to the district council about the new system. Imagine being the poor person has to answer those phone calls. Hello? Oh, your bins. Yeah, yeah, no, we've heard about it. Collections are apparently being missed and people are facing long delays, calling the Waste Hotline the Waste Hotline. From Monday, three quarters of households in Bedford will have a new collection date. Well, we sent Jenna Benson out to investigate and speak to the residents of Aylesbury Vale. They had mixed views.
2: Ashley, I've just been walking down the road and I've noticed that you're in your front garden trying to sort out all of your rubbish. You've got various bags here and a green box... And you did have another bin with a blue lid, but that seems to have gone.
3: Yeah, um, it had a, a tape saying, do not open until a certain date, so I didn't. But um, it's vanished in the meantime. The bin bags haven't been collected. Uh, and as we live quite near the canal, um, we have problems with rats coming along. And if they're left out, the rats get into the bag and drag it all across, across the uh, garden. So I've just been picking up horrible uh, leftovers and putting it back in the bag and as you can see from my bags i'm having to mix uh, cans and recyclable goods with normal rubbish because there's nothing else to put the recyclable bits in
4: vicky
5: bins in aylesbury how are the collections going well, i've not had a problem they've been fine they've been collected on time and when they say they're coming they come i've no. never had a problem
2: have you received your new bin with the blue lid yes And this is on the new waste recycling scheme? It is, I've got
5: three bins, a green bin, one with a blue lid and a smaller bin for the food and it it all comes and goes just as it should be.
6: They changed our day from Tuesday to Friday which wasn't a problem Um, but they were coming Friday afternoon but then when they suddenly started coming early Friday morning (laughs) instead of Friday afternoon put put us out of gear but the bins were all out the front anyway so they got emptied anyway so it wasn't a problem.
7: I'm not convinced all this appropriate separation of rubbish goes into the appropriate places.
2: Wendy, your bin collections, Mm -hmm. you've had
8: a new system put in place. Yes. What is it like? I find it easier, a lot easier than all them baskets, having to sort it out. Everything goes now into the blue bin or the green bin and the food bin. I find it far easier.
2: Ron, it seems the problem with bins is stretching a a lot wider than just Aylesbury itself. You're from Buckingham, and you've had a big problem in your road
1: last week.
7: Yes, on the London Road, they missed about 10 houses with a normal dustbin collection. And we have been in contact both by telephone and by the uh, internet, and we still had no response from them, having also been reassured that somebody was coming.
9: And how
2: much of a problem has this been for the people that live in the streets?
7: Well, next door neighbour have a child and they're actually resorting now to black bins, which the council, council, black black, bags, sorry, and the council don't collect those. So we don't know what's going to happen to those when... (laughs) When it, when it does eventually get round to being
0: collected. It's BBC Three Counties reporter Jenna Benson speaking to the res- residents of Aylesbury, Wing and Buckingham. Now, there's a few things here. Uh, th- some people complaining about recycling. Oh, I've got to recycle. Oh, I've got to separate the cans from the bottles, from the plastic. Well, c- well come on. Hey, let's be sensible. Recycling is obvious. Obviously a sensible thing to do, isn't it? it make- of course it makes perfect sense that we should recycle. I can't believe that there is anybody uh, with half a brain listening to this who doesn't agree with that. Of course we should recycle. Yes, it makes things easier. We put the glass in that bin. We put the the plastic in that bin. And we put the food scraps in that bin. And that makes it all nice and straightforward. And that, that helps everybody. So that's obvious. The recycling aspect of it, I don't have a problem with. And I'd be surprised if you do. If you do have a problem with it, 08459 four double five five double five, maybe you're one of these Neanderthals who thinks, well then we shouldn't be recycling, it's their job, I pay my council tax, I pay my council tax, I shouldn't have to do a little bit of work at home, 08459 four double five five double five. but the thing I do have a problem with is the rubbish collections only being once a fortnight. Because, uh, well, listen, I, I, I recycle, I put stuff in the different bins and, and what have you. But also, I've got a little baby, we have nappies. And we have a lot of stuff that can't be recycled. And with the bin collections only coming once a fortnight, things get a little bit whiffy around the Lee household, if I'm completely honest. That bin is overflowing after two weeks. And they won't, oh mate, I can't pick up a black plastic bag, mate. Oh no, I can't do that, I'll do my back in, it. In the old days, you used to get the bin men would just sling the bin over their shoulders, wouldn't they? Oh, I can't pick up a black plastic bag, mate. So, 08459 four double five five double five. Is there anybody out there listening that disagrees with the recycling? I'd be so surprised and indeed disappointed if there is. But how often should you have your bins collected? 08459 four double five five There is an amazing picture. And I saw, this, uh, I saw this a few years ago. I remember this coming out. An amazing picture in the Daily Mail of Jimmy Savile. Have you seen this? Jimmy Savile and Frank Bruno. And the Yorkshire Ripper. Jimmy Savile introducing Frank Bruno to Peter Sutcliffe. An amazing picture. If you missed Jonathan Vernon Smith's show yesterday... Man, he had a call on there. He, he, he had a world exclusive on there. We'll play a clip of it a bit later on. did it, 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 Just keep listening. We will play a clip of it a little bit later on. A world exclusive on the Jonathan Vernon Smith Show relating to the Jimmy Savile uh, inquiry. It, it was an incredible phone call, and it has made national news, and we'll, we'll, we'll play you a little snippet of that a bit later on. Uh, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number. Particularly keen to, to hear from you if you live in Aylesbury, and I want to know how you've been affected by your bin changes. Yeah, I know, I know. But this is the kind of stuff that gets me proper angry. Oh, 08459 five, 455 555. You're in Aylesbury, or if you're in any of the areas where they've had their bins changed, how has it affected you? How often should we have our bins collected? It gets me really angry, this kind of stuff.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: I'm finding this whole Lance Armstrong thing fascinating. I'm not really interested in in cycling my father-in-law is a huge cycling fan and he's he's so disappointed by it but the thing i find interesting about lance armstrong is he's he's, all of these claims that he had blood transfusions and he took drugs and he's going no no it's not true none of it's true yet he's not suing i think you can sue in america can't you you can you can sue for like libel and slander and defamation and yet he's chosen he's chosen not to do that That's suspicious, isn't it? We're talking this morning about rubbish and recycling. And there's two issues. How often should we have our bins collected? I think once a week is fair enough. But are there people out there listening to this that think we shouldn't recycle? That we shouldn't have separate bins and we shouldn't put the glass in one and the plastic in another? Because if you think that really is something wrong with you, isn't there? 08459 455 555. Good morning, Inley, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Look, I, there's no one listening to this who thinks we shouldn't recycle, is there? I'd be so disappointed if there is. Of course we should. It makes perfect sense that things that can be recycled. Should, we can spend a few minutes each week putting glass things in one bin and plastic wrappers in another. If you don't, shame on you, because you're ruining the world for my children. Don't forget, you can get in touch anytime during the show. Uh, you can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Uh, you can email 3CR at bbc.co.uk, or you can give us a call, 08459 four double five five double five. Now, you may do a little bit of volunteering in your spare time, or have received help from a volunteer. Uh, I've done it. I I did it for a couple of years and I had to stop when I got this job because it meant I couldn't go out Monday evenings. The number of people applying to volunteer centres in Hertfordshire has increased by over 60% in the last three years. In a survey conducted for the nine centres in the county, most people said that having a new challenge was the main reason for giving their time. Well, Susan Martin is a volunteer in Hertfordshire and joins us on the line. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Susan, what what do you do as a volunteer? Um, Well... At the moment,
10: I help sell books and second-hand furniture. Well, second-hand books and furniture.
0: Okay, so you're, you're a bit of a, a, an Arthur daly type character.
10: Yeah.
0: <laughs> where do you do? Where do you do this?
10: It's called um, Decorum Horizons. Yeah. In in the town centre.
0: Why Why do you do it, Susan? Surely you, you've got enough things to do in your life without going out and doing some work for free, haven't you? Well,
10: yeah, but um, that doesn't take all day. Um, I d- it it was to do with a scheme I was on uh, with Kennedy Scott, and I've just sort of, like stayed there.
0: Mm. So what do, what do you get out of it personally?
10: Well, I like, we help people as well. Um, we have people come in and need help filling in forms and that. So um, that as well, I enjoyed doing that.
0: So. Well, no, just there. <laughs> and, uh, does it give you... Cause, well, listen, I used to volunteer once a week. I used to go to Great Ormond Street two hours a week and just go around and, and play with the kids or do a bit of uh, hospital radio or stuff like that. And it gave me... People say, oh, that's so good of you, giving up your time. It wasn't completely selfless because it gave me a real sense of satisfaction. Do, do you get the same kind of feeling?
10: Yeah, I think so. Uh, but it also keeps me out of trouble. I mean, it gives me something to do. what kind
0: of trouble would you be getting into, (laughs) Susan? You're not a hoodie that sits on the outside (laughs) uh, shops, drinking hooch or something, are you? No, I I do enjoy doing it. Um,
10: and it sort of like keeps me, cos I've not worked for so long, cos bringing up the kids, I've not actually worked for such a long time, and it, it might help on my CV that I'm
0: doing that. So it gives you a, a sense of purpose, and you feel like you're achieving something. Yeah, Susan. So finally, we'd... before we let you go, what what advice would you give to anyone who's out there thinking that maybe they want to volunteer?
10: Go for it. Go to their nearest volunteer centre and and talk to them. Um, they are good, the
0: volunteer centres. Susan Martin, thank you very much. She's a volunteer in Hertfordshire. It is worth doing. I did this at Great Old Street for two, over two years. Uh, and then I got this job, and I mean, it meant that I couldn't, I used to it Monday nights, and I couldn't really kind of sort of juggle both things. At the, it, was, it was fantastic fun. It was the best. Oh eight four five nine 555 is the telephone number if you want to, uh, give me a call. Uh, we're talking, um, we'll be talking later on about UFOs. Well, apparently we might be spotting a UFO live on the show But before that Rubbish Trevor's in uh, It sounds like a wind tunnel in Woburn Trevor,
11: what's going on there? I take average with your statements about being very ashamed about recycling Good, mo- good morning that. to you, Trevor Yes, go on we pay enough money on council tax, and yet we're doing half their job for them. Well, we're not and
0: doing... it's about umbrage. We're not... We're... Well, okay, Trevor, listen, calm down. Y- 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 you may take umbrage, but we're not doing half their job for them. It takes you two minutes to put hold your on. glass... It takes you two minutes to put your glass bottles in a separate bin, doesn't it, if that? Uh, yeah, but
11: hold on. Previously, they used to take our money for a lot less and do it all. Now we've paid a lot more in council tax, and we have
0: to do it all for them. We well, it's gone from, Trevor, you've gone from we're doing half of their work to we're doing all their work. We're not we're putting we're putting plastic Trevor calm down we're putting plastic b- uh, boxes in one bin and gas bottles in another you're in central bed, you're not. Well, what are you doing well, in central is, beds then, Trevor? Oh, we
11: have to clear it, so everything, but what I'm trying to say to you is, you don't, the way you, the way you say, you yes. don't stand to reason, you don't you're one of the lefties. Say that, that again, Trevor, I can't hear you, say that again. You're one of the lefties that has spoiled this country with your opinion is right and not everybody else has got to
0: listen to arguments. Well, I'm one of the lefties that spoiled this, yes. c- I wish you had a better line, Trevor, because I would totally take you to town. What
11: does that mean? Well, you, you sound very much like persuasion of previous government on things like immigration and that the way you speak you can't listen to reason. Trevor I'm
0: talking about yeah. I'm talking about putting glass bottles in a separate bin. Yes, I'm not have not even mentioned immigration. That
11: is when you said how you think it's wrong if people disagree. What has that, got to, with, pure, what has that got to do with what's that gotta do with immigration? It's it's purely a voluntary thing. Well it
0: should be law and it's if free, you don't if you don't recycle and separate your stuff you should go to prison. No, you shouldn't.
11: You pay counts of tax so
0: that they take your rubbish away. Yeah, and, and we can, we back. all... Tre- Trevor, I'm still confused on um, why you've brought immigration into this conversation.
11: Well, it's... You, you're not listening to me. Yeah, I recycle a beer. I don't recycle a lot through choice. Well, you should not go to prison. through the law. No, I shouldn't.
0: Why? Because you're ruining the planet for my kids. Thanks for that. <laughs> Cheers, Trev. Um, hold on. We didn't ruin it previously. No, we, but we can make amends for the damage that's been done. Thanks a lot for screwing up the wealth for my kids, Trevor. appreciate it. That's all right. You're the worst presenter on radio. Thank you. Thank you very much, Trevor. There we go. If you want to hear that, that'll be clipped and played out as an audio boo later on. The worst presenter on radio. Just because, just because, dear listener, I think that we have a responsibility to recycle. Trevor disagrees. For some reason, he brought immigration into it. I don't quite understand... What's that got to do with recycling? Blooming immigrants coming over here, making us recycle. I've got no idea what that was about. Listen, I feel very strongly, because I've got children, that we should do everything we can to protect this world and, and, and have resources. I want my boys to have resources. And if that means I have to spend a couple of minutes a week putting glass in one bin and plastic in another, I'll do that. Having those views, does that really make me the worst presenter on the radio? I'll wear that badge with pride. Thank you, Trev.
1: Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Thank you very much, Catherine. Good morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next hour or so, Marshall Amps: 50 years. 50 years of rocking. Uh, and have you seen a UFO? Apparently, one in ten of us have. I've seen a UFO. I know I have. Oh eight four five nine four, double, five, five, double, five. Today is the 10th anniversary of the Bali bombings. 202 people were killed when Islamist terrorists attacked a bar and nightclub on the popular tourist island. The victims were mostly foreign tourists, 26 of them British. They included 37-year-old Jonathan Elwood from Albury in Hertfordshire. 88 were Australian, and today the Australian government plans to hold its memorial services in Bali and Canberra. We can talk to Phil Mercer now, who's in Sydney. Morning, Phil. Oh, Phil, are you there?
12: Yes, good morning. Uh, you're there. Now, how has Australia marked the anniversary? Well, there have been ceremonies from coast to coast in Perth, in the west, to the east here in Sydney, also in the national capital, Canberra, Adelaide, Melbourne, the Gold Coast, but to name a few others. And this is really a time for Australia to remember the terrible events of 10 years ago. And, of course, this was a tragedy that uh, not only consumed Australian lives, but also the lives of people from more than 20 countries, including uh, quite a lot of people from the United Kingdom, And Indonesia as well. How did the country deal with such a huge loss of life 10 years ago? Well, the bombings thrust Australia to the front line of international terrorism for the very first time. It was the country's worst loss of life since the Second World War. And what followed was Australia's biggest ever murder investigation. Australia responded by bringing in very tough anti-terrorism legislation. Its intelligence agencies were beefed up to help uh, Indonesian authorities uh, pursue the bombers. And in many ways, Australia became a fortress as it uh, reeled from this atrocity and uh, successive australian governments have used the bali bombings as one of their justifications for their military involvement in iraq and afghanistan now uh, quite a few uh, britons died how have they been remembered in bali well, every single one of the 202 victims has been remembered by name at a multi-faith ceremony in Bali. Each of those 202 victims, uh, their names read out and remembered. And, of course, the ripples of pain and grief uh, not really confined to uh, Australia and Indonesia and Great Britain. Many other countries as well, Canada, the United States, Poland and South Korea, but to name a few, uh, also had citizens caught up in this. So this is very very much an international day of remembrance. Mm. What's Bali like today? Trying to get back on its feet. It is uh, a bustling place. We were there last year, and certainly it's a very, very popular place with uh, European tourists and especially Australians. It's relatively close, uh, pretty cheap for Australians to get there. And uh, in many ways, it is bouncing back from uh, the trauma of the last ten years. Uh, there are some Australians who go back to Bali really as an act of defiance. They want to prove that they won't be cowed or intimidated. Other people believe that um, the atrocity that happened ten years ago will never be repeated and uh, that's largely because, or those feelings are largely because of the uh, huge security effort that continues across Indonesia to stamp out homegrown extremism.
0: Phil Mercer in Sydney, thank you very much. And in around an hour's time we'll be hearing Justin. D- Neely's interview with uh, Russell Ward from Hertfordshire,
13: who helped with the rescue efforts ten years ago. It's a bit strange, really, because in the fire service, I've, I've, you know, sadly witnessed quite a few fatalities now, and you do have a a visual memory of that for a period of time, but I've never had that with Barley, and I I don't know if that's the the brain's way of defending itself, because I know what I saw, but I can't see the images, and and it was horrific. But my memories are, 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 are replaced by the best of the human spirit and and it's the individuals that came and they come like angels and the real heroes that were out there and and you know it's a humbling experience and I I, I, and also it feels right in some way to honor the compassion the best of the human spirit and to try to want to be a better man that's that's my way of dealing with it really and you know and and even this 10 year anniversary it's like a life review and, and it's allowed me to reflect on my own life and just realize how lucky and blessed i am to be here and how much it would mean to the families if they could have their loved ones back and life's a very precious thing
0: russell ward there you can hear the full interview with him and justin um in about an hour's time oh wait four, five, nine four double five five double five, five, five it'll appear some of you have taken umbrage and me saying we should do our recycling Makes me a lefty, does it? I don't quite understand that. But have you really got a problem with doing recycling? I'm totally into my country music at the moment. Totally. I'm starting a country and western band with my mate Scott. I say, mate, I don't really know him that well and I don't want to be a friend of his. But we're going to start a country and western band. How cool is that? Coming up later on in the show, before nine o'clock, we've got a guitarist coming in, celebrating 50 years of Marshall Amps, and he's going to play some wicked guitar solos. Oh, that's all we can ask you, actually. Could you text in and let us know your favourite guitar solos of all time, please? 81333, starting your text 3CR, let me know your favourite guitar solos of all time. Uh, And we'll compile the the sort of top five um, to celebrate 50 years of Marshall Amps. I've never heard Stairway to Heaven. No, no, I've heard a little bit, the bit about she's buying a Stairway to Heaven. I've heard that little bit, but that's it. I'm nearly 40 now, I've never heard it. I'm going to try and go my whole life without hearing Stairway to Heaven. That's my ambition. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're talking uh, about rubbish because for some of you, your collections have changed, your houses are being missed out, the new bins, and it's all a bit confusing. Um, Liz is in St Albans. Good morning, Liz. Good morning. You're up bright and early. Oh yes, I have two children and a husband. (laughs) Uh, How old are your children? Eight and four. Oh, okay, right. So, yes, you're going to be up early. Well, well done you, Liz. What can I do for you?
2: You're talking about recycling. Yes. You're saying it only takes you two minutes to put your recycling out. However, it takes them less than that to chuck the boxes all over the road because they can't be bothered to put them back in the houses where they belong. Do they just leave them out in the streets? They just chuck them. They don't leave them. They chuck them.
0: Well, that's naughty, Liz.
2: Oh, I know. I have complained.
0: And, And what do they say when you complain?
2: Oh, well, we'll get it sorted.
0: Who do you complain to? Do you actually go up to the bin men, or do mm. you phone up the council? I
2: phone the council.
0: Uh, I, f- I phone the council, but Bin men, I'm sure are lovely. Let me- hey, listen, if you're a bin man, give us a call this morning. It'd be nice to talk to you. But they do look a little bit menacing, don't <laughs> they? And also, you don't, wanna, you don't want them to know that you've complained, because they can make your life a misery.
2: Well, I'm lucky, because I live in uh, flats, so we have oh, okay. communal bins. Right. But what to me... Yeah. Um, we can't recycle cardboard. Um, I know. <laughs> really? I know. Yeah, I know you have a green bin. Yeah, but we can only recycle plastic, right? Um, glass and paper—that is the only things that we can recycle.
0: Do you know what? You, you're right. You're right on this. And listen, I do genuinely think that everybody should recycle because it doesn't take long for us to do it. And whether they throw their the boxes in the road or whatever, we should. See, it only takes us a few minutes to do it. And of course we should. But some of their rules about what you can and can't recycle is mental. And once I had a, uh, you can recycle wood. I would have thought you could recycle wood. It's wood. It's the most recyclable thing in the world. I had a bit of wood in my recycling bin and I saw the bin man come, open the bin, looked at it, shut the lid and walked off. And I went out and I said, excuse me, mate, what, why have you not taken, you've contaminated your recycling? I said, what? I've contaminated it? He said, yeah, there's wood in there. And so I went and I lifted the lid, I took the wood out, threw it on the floor, I said, right, can you take it now? Yes, I can. You're right, Liz, some of the rules are silly, but you would agree with me that we should all do recycling, shouldn't we?
2: We should, however, they should take everything Liz. that... No, they should take everything that says this is recyclable. There we go, you're I right. I mean, this is my mum's pet hate. Yeah,
0: well, th- th- maybe I'll speak to your mum about it. Liz, thank you very much. Bye. Ta-ta, there we go. Of course they should. But I do genuinely believe if you don't recycle... You should go to prison. Coming up, our reporter, Justin Dealey, will be looking for UFOs. He's with a man who is convinced that he'll see one this morning.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Now, this is exciting. and I'm, I'm, I Listen, BBC, we're impartial, we're not allowed to beg for free stuff, but I'm hoping I get a free one for this. One of the most iconic pieces of music kit, the Marshall Amp celebrates its 50th birthday today known as the father of loud jim marshall opened the iconic marshall's amp factory in bletchley it's been the kit of choice for rock bands throughout the decades how cool is this guy griffin who was born in bedford lead guitarist with rock band the choir boys um is on the line now good morning guy hi there how you doing uh, yeah i'm good man thank you very much for look, look, already i've gone into rock speak i've just called you man that's <laughs> hey man yeah. hey man how you doing you're, you're at you're right. Luton, Luton airport you're about to go on tour yeah, uh,
14: well, we're just we're going over to do some shows in Ireland uh, just just this weekend. So uh, yeah, just about to get on a plane in a bit.
0: Okay, well, we, we will keep this brief, guy. I don't want you to yeah. miss your plane. Just just to talk to me, saying, man, martial arts <laughs> I- important.
14: Well, yeah, I mean, it just, uh, I mean, the, the, this is pretty much the, the changed the whole face of you know the rock, you know, rock music really, because uh, uh this kind of revolutionized the way. Yeah, you know, the, the electric guitar was heard. Really, uh, it's, you know, obviously, it's an iconic, um, iconic name. You know, I mean, even people that don't really know much about, you know, about amps and stuff, they know who Marshall is. So,
0: what's the, what's the difference in sound? Because the three main amps—you've got your Fender, you've got your Vox, and you've got your Marshalls. Why do yeah. you prefer the Marshalls?
14: Uh, well, so for, for, for the type of music we do, they're just they're they're they're, they're not. They're not a complicated amp. It's just uh, you get the sound that you want pretty quick. You know, a lot, a lot of other amps. Uh, you know, you got to have an instruction manual to know how to use them sometimes. And uh, the Marshall, you know, it's just, it's just it's just it's that great sound. You know, from, from you know Led Zeppelin to ACDC, Jimi Hendrix. You know, that's that's the sound. You know, is,
0: is that kind of dirty rock yeah. sound, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it did become iconic in the 70s I would guess w- with bands like the Who and Led Zeppelin and you you couldn't go to a concert from about 1972 onwards and not see a stack of Marshall amps, amp well, on top of it. amp.
14: Yeah, exactly. It's it's still pre- still pretty much the same. You go to any major uh any major festival most of you know a lot of well, most of the bands would be using Marshall stuff, you know, cuz it's uh, it, and and what's what's great with them is they also have like, a great distribution network all around the world so it's so wherever we go if we go to do a festival in spain or wherever we we just stipulate you know marshall amps and uh they'll be there you know you, you, play, know?
0: you play with some of the biggest bands in the world you know guns and roses yeah. and stuff like they're all marshall fans yeah exactly
14: yeah i mean like when we, we just played with guns and roses uh about two months ago in europe and um and marshall you know kindly um managed to get us, you know, the whole back line of amps and, uh, and also drums as well, they do a lot, they, yeah. they're, they, they're doing drums now as well, so that was great, you know, we got there and it was a big, big, uh, stack of Marshalls there, I, you I know? love
0: the way, Guy, you say, oh, yeah, we played with, uh, Guns N' Roses a couple of months ago, as though you just popped down to the post office. <laughs> You're living the yes. dream, man. <laughs>
14: Uh, it feels like a nightmare
6: at the moment,
0: Luton Airport. <laughs> <laughs> Luton Airport, 650, it's not the most glamorous yeah. location. No. Uh, listen, we'll let you go in a second, but you, you, I mean, you guys were huge, and you're still a big band, but you were huge in the, yeah. in the 90s with, with top 20 yeah. hits here and in the States. When yeah. it went really big, what did that feel like? You know, you're just, you're, a normal bloke from Bedford, yeah. suddenly becoming a rock star around the world. How did that feel? Um, it was,
14: well, it was pretty surreal, really, but I guess when you're, when you're, you know, 20 years old, you kind of... It almost feels, yeah. You think, oh yeah, of course this should have happened, you know. <laughs> yeah, but when you look back on it, you go, bloody hell, that was that was a stroke of luck, really. But um, yeah, I mean, I was out, I was twenty years old and in Los Angeles. Wow, making a record, you know. So it's the it, dream, it, isn't it? it's the dream. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And you lived yeah. in the
0: states for twelve years, then came back to yeah. Bedford. How did uh, how did that culture shift feel coming back? Um, Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I was
14: always coming back and forth, right. but. um... Yeah, you know, it's just uh um, you know it's it's home really. I mean I I I, I like being back in England. Yeah. I mean I, I like going back to visit the states. Um but um you know England's home really. You've
0: not got that awful transatlantic accent that I was expecting <laughs> to have. You Cambridge. Pretty... Yeah. Final question Guy, and I'll let you get on your plane. What's your favorite guitar solo of all time? I know it's a question to throw at you, but what is if wow. you could pick one, what would it be?
14: Um probably um Angus Young, Highway to Hell, oh, I would think, or um, or, may, or perhaps all um, we'll costs off it uh, all right now by free.
0: Good choice. Guy, listen, th- lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. Guy Griffin from the Choir Boys, Luton Airport. He's off on tour. It's, it, you know, it's not all glamour, and let's be honest, Luton Airport is not the most glamorous airport in the world. Although, saying that, I have been to LAX, Los Angeles Airport. That's got to be one of the worst airports in the world. Maybe one day we'll do that as a phone-in. The worst airports in the world. We won't do it today. If you do want to get in touch, 08459 455 555.
1: Every weekday afternoon from 3... Roberto Peroni Unions
15: have been fighting the NHS plans to cut ambulances and paramedic cars in Bedfordshire Gary Applin is from the Ambulance Workers Union Unison If they cut any amount of these transportable resources There's less ability to get you to hospital It puts our staff in a very vulnerable
14: position
1: Roberto Peroni One of those
15: guys that turns a manky old car into something rather good Is Bernie Feynman You were arguing about what colour to paint the Porsche
16: And he was trying to muck a bear with it Mario, bless him, he is great at buying cars As far as working on cars, I wouldn't let him work on a Tonka talk.
1: <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: In a couple of minutes, we're going to go live to Justin Dealey, who is with a UFO expert. There are rumours that we might spot a UFO live on the show. I'm very excited by that. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, a, a packed show. Don't forget you can give us a call about any of the things we're talking about anytime. time, 08459 four double five five double five. And if there are things we're not talking about, that you think perhaps we should do, um, then uh, give us a call as well, and maybe we'll uh, we'll consider talking about that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now UFOs. Oh yes, I love all of this stuff. Do you believe in them? I do. I've seen one. I've seen one. My wife, my wife and I saw one, uh, and I've seen one a couple of times. Uh, I, I know, I know it sounds mental, but it's true. According to a new study, one in ten of us claim to have seen a UFO, and one in every hundred even claim to have seen an alien. Today, here on The Three Counties, we might be able to, uh, about to make history, and prove the existence of aliens and UFOs. Our reporter, our sceptical reporter, I'll be honest, Justin Dealey, is in a field in St. Albans, <laughs> with Nigel Hughes, a UFO and ET researcher. Oh, yeah, Justin, he- are you playing the X Files music? Yes, I'm oh, getting a bit creepy around here. Can you it. take this seriously, please?
9: <laughs> You're really annoying me. Hey, I, I, I am taking it seriously. It's dark. I'm in a field in St <laughs> He's Albans. He's playing his own beds. Listen a, to it. And him. I'm with a man. I am with a man who claims that. Uh, He can prove to us this morning that aliens exist. Enough of the music. Ian, I'm scared. I'm being honest with you. I'm very, very scared this morning. But, uh, Nigel, welcome to the programme. Later on, um, you're going to be proving to us that aliens do exist, uh, even here in St Albans. Can you tell us briefly how? Uh, Yes, uh, good morning, uh, Justin. Thank you for tuning up
3: today to look at our work. Uh, Yes, we are scientists, and we've been researching for some 15 to 20 years, uh, uh... a form of uh, magnetism and um, about a year ago during our research we started experiencing magnetic disruption from space uh, and it's all about detecting this magnetism which uh, is the focus of our work uh, and we were very puzzled by this uh, disruption coming in from outer space which happens from solar storms but it became very clear to us that this is the cause of this disruptions
9: uh, were extraterrestrial craft Wow. Okay. Um, our listeners may be thinking, are you normal? I-, I shall let you answer that question. Are you normal? Uh, yes,
3: it's uh, we're totally rational. We're scientists. We're logical. Uh, we collect data and evidence uh, and act upon that, really. So what you'll see later, um, the proof will... I will provide you with evidence by our detection systems and then you judge for yourself.
9: Well, Ian, you've heard it here. Evidence. So he's, got, he's got evidence. Yes. W- when you come back to me later on, I shall explain the evidence. Right. And uh, apparently, there, well, as you heard from Nigel, you know, when you come back to us at, at 10 to 8 this morning, this oh. could be a radio first because we may well have little green men, little aliens oh, on the Justin, show. Oh, Justin, please, could you take your tongue out of your cheek,
0: please, Dealey? Because, okay, let me ask you a basic question, Justin. Do you believe that there are other life forms somewhere in the universe yes i do okay so why couldn't there be ufos flying around this
9: planet um, well, I, I personally, I, I do believe in aliens. I do believe in UFOs. But I think, you know, when it comes to to, to proof of you that... You
0: laughed when <laughs> I
9: mentioned it in the meeting yesterday. Yeah, because it, I, I, I would certainly believe other people. I'm not quite sure about believing you when it comes to an <laughs> alien story. It's <laughs> just right, it's you. That,
0: it? oh, in that case, that's yes. fine. <laughs> Justin, we will speak to you later on. Thank you very much. Ruth is in Bushy. Ruth, have you seen UFOs? I've seen
8: um, a confirmed UFO,
0: yes. Go on, tell me about it. Um,
8: oh, it was a long time ago, but... Um we saw a light in the sky that stayed there for a long time which kept changing colour yeah. going from red, yellow, green and blue with balls of light coming off the side of it. We watched it for about a couple of hours, first of all, and phoned lots of people, phoned the local air base, phoned to see if they had something up there. Yeah. It kept coming forward and going back. And in the end, um, the police came round. And wow. after, it was about four hours and they were in my garden taking photos. What did the
0: police say, Ruth?
8: Well, they didn't say a lot, but they were taking lots of photos with telescopic yeah. uh, cameras. And after about four hours, it moved off, and they all jumped in their cars and followed And did you
0: ever hear from those police again?
8: Yes, yes, we heard from them lots, you know. um, And we did have, I haven't got it, but I did see a letter from the um, Ministry of Defence saying it was a confirmed UFO sighting. There we go,
0: you see, and Bushy. Sorry to keep it short, I could talk for ages, but it's it's confirmed. I I genuinely believe, and if you don't, shame on you! (laughs) This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Apparently I'm the worst presenter on the air. And according to a call that you would have missed. If you weren't listening to the first hour, you missed it. We'll put it out as an audio, but a little bit later on and you can uh, hear Trevor getting very, very angry with me. Coming up in the next hour, there's more on Jimmy Savile, the story that just keeps growing and growing. Uh, we'll be talking about rubbish. Have your rubbish collections changed? How often should we have our bins collected? And I, I, I really believe this. If you don't recycle shame on you you should go to prison and we're celebrating 50 years of martial amps. i want to know your favorite guitar solos of all time and can i say something slightly controversial I don't think Jimi Hendrix is very good. I know. I, listen, I love, I know, I know, I know. I love music. I love good music. Jimi Hendrix was just, it just made a racket. It couldn't play that guitar. Oh, look, I'm playing my guitar with my teeth and then doing a wee-wee on it. Uh, just play the guitar, Jimmy. Stop setting it alight. Sorry, going off on a tangent there. You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3cr, or you can give us a call. 08459 four double five five double five.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, look, look. Oh, look, I'm playing the guitar with my teeth. I've set fire
0: to it. I'm doing a wee-wee on it. Oh, Jimmy. Just play a song. Just play a song, for goodness sakes. Now, the story that continues to dominate the news every morning, we we turn up here at BBC Three Counties Radio and go, Savile, I guess we have to. Not that we're getting any pleasure out of it, but this story just keeps on growing and growing and growing. And we now hear that Thames Valley Police have launched an investigation into the sex abuse scandal after a call into the Jonathan Vernon Smith show yesterday. If you missed it... It was a fascinating call. John Lindsay called JVS under the alias of George to say he had previously worked for the National Crime Squad. He had reported allegations that Jimmy Savile molested children at the Stoke Mandeville Hospital in the 70s, but was ignored. Here's just a little bit of what he said.
16: I was told by uh, a young nurse in the late 70s, who is now a senior sister in uh, a different hospital, that... They were very, very concerned about Savile's visits to um, young girls in uh, in hospital.
17: Are you telling me, and I understand you have to be careful, George, yes. but are you telling me, as, as a retired policeman, yes. that the police did know about Jimmy Savile's goings-on?
16: I spoke... A senior officer, having had that conversation, back in the seventies, this was. Back in this is the late seventies. Yes, late seventies. Yes, and um, I wasn't believed.
17: So you reported it within your own police force. Yes, that you believed Jimmy Savile was potentially molesting girls, and and people within your own police force didn't believe you.
16: Yeah, the the phrase in the job, uh, Jonathan, is Savile must be looked at, seriously looked at, because there's something wrong.
17: And you said that because you believed that there was something going on?
16: Oh, yes. Because I was told this by a very responsible... uh, Well, then a young lady, uh, a young nurse, who later became... uh, the senior uh,
0: system. What a cracking piece of radio that was. That's why you got to listen to Jonathan Vernon-Smith at nine o'clock. Get gets those calls. Uh, last night, Thames Valley Police released a statement. It said it will be checking to see if any of those senior officers are still working, and the allegations will be passed on to the Metropolitan Police. Well, Paul Conyu is a PR and media commentator. He's former deputy editor of the News of the World and former editor of the Sunday Mirror. He joins me now.
18: Good morning, Paul. Good morning. On a flip note there, let me... Let me offer Eric Clapton's Layla to your debate.
0: But uh, we, we, listen, we will take that and put that to one side. That's going to go in the top guitar solos. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, but on, on the serious note of, of, of Savile, it's clear that the scale and extent of these allegations, it, it's growing so rapidly. But people had raised concerns. How were these never reported by the press?
18: Um, for that, you have to turn to Britain's draconian libel laws, which are currently you know, being reformed, but to my mind not sufficiently in terms of uh of public interest defence. I worked in the in the states for a num- for a number of years, mm. and if Jimmy Savile had if Jimmy Savile had been a US celebrity, and everything else had been a complete reflection of uh, the UK scenario, one would have had absolutely no problem publishing the story. Um, but but here in '94, when I uh, had the story, when I said in the Sunday Mirror, but but from two um, but from two women in their thirties who had been who had been... uh... Assaulted by him when they were at the Dunstan Approved School, um, but although we were convinced they were telling us the the truth, the fact was they were a mixture of fear and Im- of of and embarrassment, and said the they wouldn't be believed mm. because of uh, you know the fact this this is a man who was friend of the royal family, confident of Princess Diana, Prince Charles, uh, fated by the Pope, etc. Christmas lunch with with, with Margaret Thatcher, but that, but that simply they were they were too terrified to go into the witness box. And without and without without being able to call them, um, we, you know, it would have been legal suicide. So I had to bow to the legal advice that we, you know, we simply couldn't run it, no so matter how convinced we were of the, of the truth of their story. So Paul, you knew in
0: 1994 when you were editor of the Mirror, you had people come forward and say, "I have been abused by Jimmy Savile," uh, uh, and you believed them. Yes, and correct. You, you didn't run with that story.
18: No, for the reason i just explained. Yeah, in fact, yeah. you know that uh, you know that if you couldn't produce them in the witness box, you couldn't even reach first base. You would have been looking. You would have been looking at a huge libel payout, and you would have been looking at reputation of damage to the paper. And of course, Jimmy Savile would, uh, would, would, would without doubt, have um, have cited his great charity work, as it were, to act- to actually uh, to <laughs> to exacerbate the damage. Well, that
0: always seemed to be the, the the threat, didn't it? That if something came out, then then all these charities are going to lose their, their funding. Did you not think, Paul, that it warranted further investigation like this ITV documentary?
18: We did, to tried to, to go further. In yeah. fact, we, we even tracked down a former member of staff at the Dunstan Approved School that, who they said was fully aware of what was going on. The The door was slammed in the face on more than one occasion on the report on the reporter that I had working on that part of it. And, um, and curiously enough... A couple of months later, Jimmy Sapple, who I knew slightly and had met professionally, uh, through a mutual contact, I had a call about something else entirely, but during the course of this conversation, uh, they dro- this person dropped out. The fact Jimmy Savile was very grateful that you, that you ignored that ridiculous story you were looking at, and how much damage it would have done to his charity work. Wow. Now, as the two women certainly had no connection by this stage, they're in their 30s with children, in fact, with Jimmy Savile, the fact of, uh, you know, I can, although I can't swear to it, I'm 99% certain the only way that he would have known was because this former member of the Dunstan staff had, uh, had in some way alerted him.
11: Mm.
0: You said, quickly go off on a tangent. The, the, the libel laws, though, sh- I'm not, not in any way defending Jimmy Savile, but they are quite good in that they, they do offer some protection. But supposing someone came forward and said, oh, that Ian Lee, he did this, this and this to me. It's good that you can't just print
18: that, isn't it? without course, more evidence of course it, of co- of course it is it's a it's a, it's a it's a sort of but we we are known as the libel capital of the world in mm. fact you know and and for, and and for good reason in fact it is much you know easier to sue here in fact um so I, I, in america you could if you're a public figure you have to be open to far greater scrutiny and there is in fact and and uh and the american legal system does actually aff- afford the media for you know more rights you know when, when a public figure is involved and more libel protection than it, do- than it does over here without a shadow of doubt i hope lord justice leveson incidentally is actually following the uh, the savile case mm. because this if like is the flip side of the leveson inquiry and i'd certainly i'm rather glad that by pure coincidence, my local MP in St. Albans is Anne Mayne, who has actually written uh, to Lord Justice Leveson, asking him to actually... um, in, his inquiry is still technically under, you know, alive, yeah. and you know he's writing his re, his, 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 his first report and um, asking him to to take the several uh, case on board. I think you know, and as the Daily Mail also you know demanded yesterday, um, and I think and I think you know, I would I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to happen, but I think it would be, and I you know a perfect scenario for Lord Leveson, an already publicly funded inquiry into the media, to, to look at this one, uh, um, both in terms of of the, of the BBC, and in terms of of, of the legal pressure that pre- that prevented earlier exposure by the, you know, by Paul, the printed press. these
0: when these women came to you in 94, did you give your evidence to the police?
18: Um, I did informally pass it on to a police source, in fact, yes. But funnily enough, um... What did they here- say? uh thanks a lot will have have a look at it but 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 in fact basically little little was done in fact now what i couldn't pass on of course because there was a there was a uh a confidentiality uh agreement in place that in fact i i couldn't tell them you know the two women are x y and z and they live at so and so Mm. you know um uh, so I could only tell them, in fact, uh, what we'd been told without being able to actually divulge the source, in fact. So I suspect the police, in fact, just felt, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's all a little bit vague, we can't, you know, sort mm-hmm. of, and uh, I mean... But but I think that the thing is that at the moment, obviously the BBC are getting a kicking, and partly deservedly, but I think we've got to be very careful here that not to actually overemphasise the BBC's problems here, because it, it, it's much wider than that. We mm. need to look at we now know that a number of police forces had complaints during several's lifetime, quite a, apart from the ones that have had it since his death um, and since the programme you know, we, have, we have major hospital you know, boards, mm. we, ha- we have care homes uh, so I think I, I think this one is growing like topsy and I, th- and I think a lot of people have got to be asked about what they knew didn't know or, or what rumours they heard and perhaps weren't proactive about looking into.
0: Paul Colnew, thank you very much. He's uh, a PR commentator former editor of the Sunday Mirror. 08459 455555 just, It's just fascinating, isn't it? Thank you for that Paul. Uh, right, let's get the travel news now. Let's go to Sophie Tyler.
1: It's Hearts and Bucks Travel.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh
6: so.
0: Well, it would appear that Sophie Tyler is uh, not there and has disappeared off the face of the earth. So, well, that would say there's probably some trouble on some of the roads and I'll imagine that a few of the trains are a little bit ropey but some of them will be all right. Just because we like to flip things round sometimes, here is Sophie Tyler with the travel. Sophie, where on earth were you?
1: i was here but there seems to be some kind of little fault y- but on the whole you weren't a million miles off okay
0: well then you fill in port. the gaps <laughs> I, I, I did they're gone
1: you see i pretty much had it sewn up thank you very much sophie bbc three counties radio we're
0: talking beans we're talking rubbish we're talking recycling karen on twitter says both public and council should recycle it's a civic responsibility to reduce waste waste reuse as far as possible and recycle nick in hitchin doesn't agree Recycling? He's used lots of capitals here, which means he's shouting. I don't recycle! The way I see it is, I pay my council tax, they bring their truck and empty the bin in it, then they take it away. If they want to sort it out later, then they can do it. If they want me to sort it for them, then they can pay me to do it. Nick, no, that's selfish. It's selfish, uh, it's narrow-minded, and it's a little bit arrogant. Because it's all of our responsibilities to do as much as we can, uh, to mean that there are things, there are resources for my kids, And my grandkids. And Nick, yes, we do pay our council tax, and of course we should get more for our council tax. That's a different argument. It's irrelevant to this argument, because it takes you... What, we've got two bins at home, right? In one bin, we put the rubbish. In the other bin, we put the recycling. I've been saying it takes me two minutes. It doesn't even take me two minutes. It takes me no minutes to do it, Nick. A little bit selfish. Oh wait four, five, nine. Four, double five five double five is a telephone number what 's prompted this is that there are big changes to rubbish collections, particularly if you live in Aylesbury. You should have new bins for recycling and a new collection date, but some people aren't very happy. More than 600 complaints a day are being made to the District Council about the new system. Andy Wilkins Wilkins is the Aylesbury Vale District Council's Operations Manager. Good morning, Andy.
19: Good morning. How are you well, today?
0: I'm OK. 600 phone calls a day complaining. That's, that's quite a lot.
19: It's not actually 600 phone calls a day complaining. It's uh, 600 phone calls uh, about everything uh, that uh, we do uh, as a service. So it's not just complaining. It's people making contact, wanting larger recycling bins. What uh, percentage of
0: those are complaints?
19: Uh, the the number of misses that we're actually missing out of 18 twenty thousand properties a day uh, run r- r- somewhere between sort of 75 and 100 a day at this a- moment in time. 100 complaints a day uh, it's hundred hundred misses a day uh, so uh, that means basically that we are um, we're sort of duty bound to go back and collect those why are they being missed uh, it's a number of different reasons at this moment in time one is that um, because we have had uh, such a fundamental change in in the way that uh, we're operating that, um, that some of the the crews uh, don't necessarily know uh, some of the sort of nooks and crannies of the district. This is one of the largest uh, rural districts in the country, Um, so it's not just Aylesbury.
0: It's still pretty poor though, isn't it? Any missing people's bin collections.
19: It's it's always important, and of course, if you are the person that has been missed, then um, that is is the most important thing, and that's why we're just trying to make sure that we we get on on top of that. Who's Uh,
0: answering these 600 calls a day? And you, 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 you don't seem to know what number, what percentage of that is complaints, but there's obviously people that are confused,
19: in terms of uh, confusion um, i don 't know that there's that many people confused by the system because I think uh, as you were just saying in well, in reality what you 've got is, is two bins uh, and a food caddy uh, in, in other what, what
0: people f- i 'm confused as to what the people are phoning up you can 't have six hundred people a day phoning up for bigger bins
19: they 're phoning up for bigger bins having their waste bins taken away they 're um, having uh, the misses um, they, it's all sorts of we 've also introduced a garden waste scheme as well uh, that has um, proved such a success that um, we've actually exceeded the targets um, that we originally, uh, were originally set. Um, so the people aren't
0: phoning about that to say, well done,
19: are they? No, they're, they're, they're phoning up to say, can we order a brown bin? So can we join the, the, the garden waste uh, scheme? So it's, it's all sort of business as usual as well as everything else.
0: Andy, I'm sorry to, to focus on this 600 calls a day. It, yep. it, it does seem a lot, and it, it does, I, I still don't quite understand how that is broken down. How many... OK, how many bi- people are you saying want brown bins, are phoning up a day, asking for brown bins? Uh,
19: up, and, up until recently, then we could have anything in between sort of six, uh, 60 uh, up to sort of uh, 120 calls a day just on brown bins. OK,
0: so you got... So yeah. so let's, let's, let's say it's 100 calls. So you got 500 then, other calls. What are the other yep, 500? So
19: you've then, then uh, got somewhere between 75 and 100 misses in terms of...
0: So that's 100 calls and misses. OK, yep. we've got 300... So that's 100 complaints. We've got yeah. 300 calls left. Where, where are they?
19: So they're, they're going to be... Um, uh, all sorts of different bits and pieces in terms of, as you quite rightly say, you know, some people, uh, w- although we have put a, a lot of literature out there, uh, yeah. don't necessarily understand uh, the scheme completely. Uh, it could be, uh, I'm just trying to think of uh, the other calls that uh, okay, I've, well, I've OK, let's be generous. So
0: you're, you're having, uh, uh, let's say, about 100 calls from people who are confused and yep. about 200 calls a, a day complaining.
19: Yeah. Well, that's not uh, good, in, terms of, in, in terms, that's not terms good. of... In terms of... Uh, I agree, because, as I say, if it's... Uh, what are you going to do to sort
0: it out and make everyone happy?
19: Basically, what we've been doing is, is uh, actually producing uh, maps uh, for the, the crews so that they've got uh, the information sheet, where the property is, map of the location... How can they not
0: know where the property
19: is? It's houses uh, with bins! Have you, have you ever been into with our District Council? Uh, no, uh, I've never area. been to... Her, but I would imagine in, that the in bin... In case... I would imagine
0: we... that the bin collection people, would, would they should know from day one where they have to go and collect the bins from. <laughs>
19: What I, what I would say is, you know, for instance, some of the farms that uh, have been missed, uh, then if you look at some of the, the tracks, when you drive around the countryside, you, you're not 100% certain where uh, that particular farm or whether that particular track leads to a farm. Not all farms have names. And who's responsible so, for that?
0: Someone, someone must be responsible for not telling the bin men where to go and collect the bins from.
19: We, yeah, is we that, you? that is me ultimately, but uh, that's why we're making sure that uh, they do understand where all the okay. collection points are. When, when are you going to get this sorted out, Andy? We are trying very hard to get it sorted out as quickly as possible. So, um, next week? The, I've had a, a meeting with the, the guys this morning. So, hopefully, it will be next week. We're working very hard to okay. uh, change software, all sorts of different different pieces. Okay, yeah.
0: Andy. Maybe we'll speak next week. That's Andy Wilkins, who is the Aylesbury Vale District Council's operations manager, the man ultimately responsible if you are not getting your bins collected in Aylesbury. <laughs> We've got some texts on on, our martial amps, which we'll do maybe just after half past seven. So if you've texted in about martial amps, we'll do them after half past seven, because I want to talk about this. The costs of the Love Luton Pop Festival. Remember that? Do you remember that? Yes. Well, it happened earlier this summer. They were discussed at a meeting last night. Politicians scrutinised the decisions and the costs of the two-day council-run festival, which saw Olly Moores and The Wanted perform in the centre of Luton. Um, our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, was at the meeting last night and joins me in the studio now. This has been a, a very long-running saga and must be the most talked-about Ollie Moores concert <laughs> of all time. Well, what happened? Just give us the background.
20: <laughs> well, Ian, the council in Luton put on some big concerts this summer, uh, Olly Murs, The Wanted, they were the headliners. There was also a, a sort of a, uh, a free low-cog torch relay concert as well, uh, and that's really why they put the concert on, to offset the cost of that. Uh, however, it lost quite a lot of money, at least £400,000, according to the council, um, well, their figure is about three hundred ninety-four thousand pounds. But last night they called, or the the opposition councillors were saying it could be even as high as six hundred thousand, depending on the way that you interpret all the figures and so on. And they were really facing criticism for putting on such a concert in difficult, lean times. So
0: what happened last night? I don't, I don't, why was there another meeting?
20: Well, they have they have the councils have a sort of back backbench committee, if you like, which which scrutinises all of the other committees. And this one was uh, one that looks at all the sort of spending that the uh, council has mm. and it goes through all of the lists and says oh could you save some money there all that sort of thing they have a, they have a bit more of a closer look at it um, and they were also they were looking at the the attendance on the on the sheet it said 67,000 visits uh, when actually there were only 34,000 individuals. So some visitors.
0: people went twice because so they people. were giving out free tickets weren't That's they? That's right
20: yeah. exactly so they were picking up on that the Lib Dem leader as well he said the loss was as I say closer to 600,000 pounds because that figure didn't include the or did include the money that was going to the carnival that would already have been there in the first place to sort of account that as an income is a little bit disingenuous they said although the council said that wasn't the case it wasn't supposed to be just like that it was a sort of here's the money we've got for it here's the money we've spent on it sort of thing so it wasn't so so clear-cut but they also said as well that the you know you were, when when you interviewed the uh, the council after the the meeting that they had to when they first presented these figures mm. and they said oh it's it's fine because the airport money covered it yes well the council last night was saying any money from that airport should have incurred a tax bill because it's not the same, you know, it's like an earnings. Right. right, okay. So they said actually there was further money that should have been you know, accounted for as well. So, so hang on, so,
0: so the money they got from the airport, they can't just say, hey, we're going to take £400,000 from the airport. They've got
20: to pay tax on that. Yeah, it's like wow. a, an additional sum, although that wasn't really cleared up and uh, unfortunately the, the, it was the council's officers who were put there last night, not the politicians. This and
0: is what I was surprised here, that there were no politicians there to answer any questions. Yeah, Why?
20: that's right. Well, the chief executive and they were, there were several representatives from a so-called community oh, living department oh, yeah. Were answering the questions instead, and that's been a running theme. I think you know. I think you've interviewed the uh, chief executive of the council on this before. As yep. I, I know you've, you've also spoken to the leader, but we've only had the leader on a few times. Um, the, the leader, the leader, Hazel Simmons. They she was in a, another meeting uh, with the public, so they said that that couldn't be canceled couldn't be moved. Um, so that was why. But Mike Garrett, who's the leader of the Conservatives on luton Borough Council, said that was disappointing that there were no politicians answering those questions.
18: I thank the officers for coming. Um, They did the best they could without getting political. The leader of the council, the portfolio holder, members of the executive should have been here to explain to scrutiny the reason why they went ahead with this, knowing full well that it was liable to be a loss.
0: Well, is this the end of it? Because it's been going on for ages. It, it feels to me that people are kind of ducking and diving and not still not answering the questions. What, what happens now?
20: Well, I think that's it. Right. Realistically, They've, they, the, the chair of the committee said she wanted to draw a line under it, and that would be the last time they'd be discussing it. They could answer. Uh, I think some of the opposition councillors will ask more questions yeah. at the full council meeting in the future. But in terms of the, you know having it as an agenda. That's it. Now it's done and dusted. And are you sad to see it done and dusted, Paul? In some ways, it's been a part of my life for a long time, <laughs> and uh, I will miss it.
0: It's been the constant theme while I've been here at BBC Three Counties Radio. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm beginning to not love Luton as a result of this. Paul, thank you very much for coming in. Very brave choice of jumper you're wearing as well this thank morning. you. are welcome. Call
1: 08459 455 555. 08459
17: 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, Ian
0: Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty coming up in the next half hour. We'll be talking about martial amps, talking about volunteering. Do you ever do it? I've done it. It's great. It's brilliant. Um, and also, Justin uh, Dealey, our reporter, is out in St Albans looking for UFOs. And I, I, I really think... He's supposed to be impartial, but his tongue is so firmly in, stuck into his cheek that I think there may be an inquiry by Ofcom and the Daily Mail. If you want to give us a call, 08459 455 555. Uh, a couple of texts um about martial amps i did say we're asking for your, your favorite guitar solos of all time to celebrate 50 years of martial amps and in that conversation i mentioned that i think Jimi hendrix he's awful it's it's the emperor's new clothes look mummy the king has got no clothes on look mummy Jimi hendrix can't play guitar uh, f- uh Jimmy Hendrix's real name was James Marshall Hendrix. Thank you, from Anonymous. Oh, d- on the subject of good guitar solos, and Phil, you're right. The end solo on The Carpenters' Goodbye to Love is epic. It's an amazing guitar solo. And it upsets a lot of Carpenters fans, because it's like, kind of like heavy rock. By the way, who's, who's, hands up, who's seen The Carpenters? Oh, yeah, just me? That's right. I saw The Carpenters. Yeah, I was yay close to Karen Carpenter. And on Twitter, Hendrix revolutionised electric guitar. Marshall wouldn't even be an amp uh, without him. Danny on Twitter. Wouldn't be on the amp map. Yeah, but he was awful. I mean, just totally, totally awful. 08459 455 555. On the subject of bins, it started off as there are changes being made to some of your bin dates. And as we've heard, there are quite a few people being missed out uh, of those collections. And I was asking how often should our bins be collected? I think once a fortnight is not good enough think it should be once a week we've got a young baby we've got nappies we've got a lot of stuff that that comes with that that can't be recycled so we get our bins collected once a fortnight and and by the end of that fortnight there's a lot of rubbish and if the bin men miss my bin which they have done in the past hey, that's terrible but i also think we have a duty as citizens of this planet it's not lefty nonsense it's common sense to recycle Let's go to uh, Toby and Bigglesway. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Ian. Are, are you a recycler?
14: Uh, I am. And up until six months ago, I was extremely proud of the fact that I recycled lots. Um, But then I took a school trip to a recycling centre in Elstow and realised that my recycling is only the third in the line of actions we should be taking and that reducing and reusing um, should be the first two. So um, I was told off for how
0: much I did recycle. (laughs) Well, shame on you, Toby. So what, so, what, what, what was the message then, that we should be using... Less. Well, first of all, um,
14: they said that we should reduce the amount of packaging that we have. So, for example, i go to the supermarket now, and rather than buying my potatoes in the nice pre-packed... Packaging with the plastic and the cellophane over the top. I just buy them loose and put them into my um, my trolley or my basket loose. Fair enough. Um, and and es- essentially, just try. It. I mean, there's lots of shops these days that you can buy um, scoops of rice rather than buy them in the pre-packed cardboard boxes. There's a lot of um, pointless packaging. Um, that was the first thing. And then I said to reuse. So um, any of my chinese takeaway pots i might reuse as, yep. as tupperware containers
0: but um, my, my mum has been doing that for years i remember in the uh, in the 70s when you had like mince pies or something she'd keep the little silver dish and she'd use that to make yorkshire puddings or to make her own you know so she constantly had a cupboard full of those little silver trays and things so that, that's that's common sense isn't it yes uh, yogurt pots as well for growing herbs what kind of herbs are you growing toby <laughs> Not the sort that were bought that boot salary. <laughs> <laughs> I know what a story that was. Wowzers! But I, I remember, I remember um, a fashion about ten years ago of um, fruit coming. I remember buying a banana from a, a petrol station, and it was in a plastic banana-shaped container. And they, they were selling fruit in plastic containers. I'm thinking, hang on a second, nature has provided fruit with its own containers. It's the the, the, the rind and the peel and stuff. So yeah, it, 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 Of course it's common sense, isn't it? We should, there should be less packaging, and I think a lot of the big supermarkets are guilty. But Toby, you know by saying this, you, you're a big lefty and you're responsible for immigration, according to one of my callers earlier on. Uh, I see. <laughs> yeah, I know, I, t- I had someone who, who dared accuse me of being a lefty, being responsible for immigration, a caller called Trevor at half past six, because I, think that, I said that I think we should all recycle, it's our responsibility.
14: Yeah, but also recycling, um, it it costs energy as well, so it it does damage the environment, the actual process of recycling, but also it is keeping people in jobs
0: recycling. Do you know what, Toby, I miss the days, and I will move on a bit, but just let me uh, reminisce for a bit. I remember the day, miss the days of when you used to be able to go down to the rubbish dump and have a little route around. And yeah. see we, do you remember that and see we, i remember my dad one day in the 80s came home with and i've still got it somewhere a gorgeous accordion a working accordion in a case and he said uh, i said where'd you get that from i found it on a tip and he just brought it home wonderful i used to go and get records and i remember getting a record player from the tip once
14: you can't do that these days toby and that was, was that a carpenter's record you got from the tip. Was no, it?
0: actually, it was a Barry Manilow <laughs> record, and it helped me get through my first serious breakup. If I'm honest, no, no, one, one
14: um, fact that I think that uh, your listeners might be interested in, and particularly the caller or the person that texted about ba- the, the nappies, yeah. um, we were shocked to find out that nappies um, are recycled to make cycling helmets.
0: On that bombshell, Toby, I'll say good day. <laughs> Imagine that. Are they really? You can't rummage through the tip anymore to pick out rubbish. It's political correctness gone mad. Oh, it's health and safety gone mad. Oh wait, 455 four, double five five double five is the phone number. Now today marks the tenth anniversary of the Bali bombing, in which more than two hundred people were killed. Was it was ten years ago, really. Wow. Among them was 37-year-old John Elwood from Albury in Hertfordshire. Firefighter Russell Ward helped with the rescue efforts. He's been speaking to BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey.
9: Russell, I know that you can't believe it's 10 years, but I just want to go back a bit further than that to start with, because your nan sadly died of cancer. Now, just before she died, she had a premonition, which I find absolutely incredible.
13: Can you tell us more about what your nan said to you? Yeah, but me, me nan, close to her death, um, one morning expressed to me mum and myself that she had a, a vision where she believed there was going to be a disaster in the world and and that I would be there and, and help, and she emphasised that it was really important that I, I went on to help the people involved afterwards, so that did stay with me, really. And then, just before going one morning, I, I, I woke up and, and had a feeling there was going to be a bomb, so... I went to the fire station and asked for permission if I could fill a rucksack full of bandages and and dressings. And I did ring my mum, and my mum reminded me of of what my nan had said and asked me when I was flying. He said, you know, you're flying out the day that nan died in your arms, and and I didn't realise that. And then when I arrived in Bali, the the first song I heard on a little radio in the hotel was a song called Love Letters in the Sand, which I used to sing with my nan when she was dying, so that really just gave me a sense that something was going to happen.
9: Just gives me a lump in my throat, just hearing that story and and clearly those memories are, are so vivid, even though it's ten years on
13: yeah um I, I just found that you know obviously what happened in Bali when, when I come back and, and was able to meet some of the families early on and realized they wasn't getting any help it, it was that vision that just gave me the strength really to to, to find these people and and, and, and And told the families, that was my experience. And and without that that faith, really, I don't think I've had the strength to to have got the group together and and go from there, really.
9: We're looking here at your Pride of Britain Awards, which you won back in 2003. You've been described as a hero. So many people have had so many complimentary words to say about you, but you don't feel like a hero
13: despite what you did. No, very far from it. It's... It was embarrassing to to have received any recognition, really, and and for me, it's, I was out my depth in Bali, and and was working with with teams of people that were surgeons, doctors, and you know people demonstrating the most amazing acts of courage. People that were at the bomb site, going into the fire, pulling people out. I was very much in the background and just almost like a. I felt like a labourer for a lot of people because of the working with surgeons. I can do first aid, but so my process and my experience was a feeling of a feeling de- inadequate, really, and, and, and wish more than anything I could have gave more. And even in the process that's followed afterwards, it's the inspiration of, of the families and, and, and you know, these people and the pain they're going through and what they've managed to achieve against all odds. It, it's, it's humbling and. and it's really that the, these people need to be recognised and, and, and definitely not myself, no.
9: You've kept in contact with many of the families and you will be seeing them again on Friday. How much comfort has that given you? Because you've bonded, you've created a relationship with those families for life.
13: Yeah, I absolutely love these families. To, to, to meet these families at a point which is a, an hour of darkness that no one could ever understand but themselves really and, and to allow me into their lives with, 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 with an open heart and trust and, and the experience being with these people has, for me, given me a love and a respect for these people that I consider my own family, and they are the most amazing people, and, and I'm very fortunate in a sense in despite everybody's loss, I'm more like the only person that's sort of gained in this situation because I've gained a family and met people I love dearly, and the memorial tomorrow is about remembering the living for me and going there and, and being able to hug them and, and share some time with them is very, very special and humbling.
0: Great report there from Justin
13: Dealey, speaking to firefighter Russell Ward uh,
0: on the 10th anniversary of the Bali bombing. I, I, I'm Ten years ago, it's incredible. Just trying to think where I was ten years and it's it, it, it just flown by. Going off on a very slight tangent, and not in any way to, to show disrespect to that or the anniversary, but if you, if you heard the beginning of that interview, you'd have heard uh, um, uh, Russell say that his nan had a premonition that this bomb was going to happen and that, that somehow he would, he would be helping people. And it kind of takes us up. We were talking about this in the office. Have you ever had a premonition? And I tweeted this out. Um, and uh, uh, Eloise tweeted back, uh, vaguely familiar with the name. I had a premonition that the bus I was on would crash and I'd hit my head. Later on that day, it happened. Now, she's got no reason to make that up. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure I believe in premonitions. I sometimes think that something happens and you, you kind of imagine you had a premonition. <coughs> Excuse me. My wife is constantly saying... She's had premonitions and she's telling me all these things. And I said, well, okay. well, next time you have a dream about an airplane crashing into a building or uh, about a tidal wave, could you tell me it? And then we'll say, don't tell me after the event has happened that you had a dream a week before about that. So I'm asking you and I'm not expecting when you do shows that involve a lot of phoning in. Very rarely do you ask a question where you expect no response. (coughs) Excuse me. But I'm asking this question and I genuinely expect no response from you. I will be surprised if I get any phone calls from this. Have you ever had a premonition that's come true? You or your family? 08459 four double five five double five. I will be surprised if we get any phone calls. In fact, I bet we don't get anybody phoning in saying, well, yes, Ian, actually, I, I knew that Princess Diana was going to die. I saw that happen a month before. Hey, what do you know? Volunteering is becoming more popular. Maybe this is kind of uh, the the after-effects of of, uh, the Olympics, when everyone joined in a bit more. The number of people applying to volunteer centres in Hertfordshire has increased by over 60% in the last three years. In a survey conducted for the nine centres in the county, most people said that having a new challenge was the main reason for giving their time. Well, Heather Allen runs the Decorum Volunteer Centre in Hemel, and she'll be announcing the figures at their AGM tonight. Good news for you, isn't it, Heather? It's fantastic, isn't it? Brilliant. Why do you think there's been such a big increase?
21: Well, I think all sorts of reasons, really. Um, I mean, for a lot of people, unfortunately, redundancy has been a big issue over the last uh, three or four years. So we've seen people coming into volunteer centres to increase their skills through volunteering and do something worthwhile while they're sort of waiting for the next job to come along. And that's been sort of very constructive, I think. But uh, for, for us in Hemel, I think one of the reasons also is that uh, we've moved into, or in the last four or five years, we've moved into the centre of town, into a, the, the round house, which is the round building, right in the middle of Hemel Hempstead. And that's been uh, fantastic for, for us, to, to raise our profile.
0: I, I volunteered for two years at Great Ormond Street, and I stopped when I started doing this, because I, I, I couldn't really do it more. And people say, oh, that's so good of you. Oh, it's how marvellous. But I, if I'm completely honest, Heather, I got s- I got so much pleasure out of doing it. it, yes, it, it, it yes. It's not completely selfless, is it? No.
21: And I think sometimes people start off in it with a sort of altruistic idea mm. that they're going to help people. Um, but one of the comments we got in the survey we did was, you know, I, I, I went into it for that. But I was amazed how much I got out of it. Mm. And as you said in your introduction, uh, enjoying a new challenge was, was the top thing that people said and having fun as well, which... You know, sometimes overlooked. A lot of volunteering can, isn't exactly fun, but people get a sense of um, achievement out of it and enjoyment. Listen, you know. this is the
0: very simple pleasure of, of helping someone Absolutely. is fantastic. Who, who are, are, are kind of doing it? Is it young people, older people? What's sort of the main demographic?
21: Well, I think from the Volunteer Centre's point of view, we see a lot of young people coming in. Maybe that's because they need some help to find the opportunity that really suits them. Mm. So, around about 30% of, of people people coming through our centre are under 25. Um, older people, I think, are seen as the sort of traditional volunteers, aren't they, if you know mm. what I mean? Um, but maybe through the course of their lives they've, uh, they've seen in their community the sort of charities they'd like to help. And also, so
0: it, look, it looks, it, it doesn't look bad on a CV, does it? We've been brilliant. doing it the last two years. I've been yeah. helping people. It yeah, fantastic. absolutely. He- heather, stay there. We've also got Emily Watts, who is a volunteer coordinator for Reach Out Plus, based yeah. in Apsley, who organises narrowboat trips for disabled people. I would imagine, Emily, you use a lot of volunteers.
11: Yeah, we do. Our
22: projects are run by over 220 volunteers. So without them, we really wouldn't be able to run. Wow. So really, are what we um, are about.
0: And how do you use these volunteers? What kind of stuff do they do? Well,
22: it depends, um, like I said, we have a lot of different ages at so sixteen up. so we have one project um, which is basically run by six formers and they come in and we sort of um, do all their checks and things and then they go and befriend someone in their community with a learning disability. But we also have people like you said on the boats, so they crew the boats and we have skippers, so it's kind of a range of opportunities.
0: So you, that, th- th- when you say it like that, it doesn't sound bad, does it? you, you get you get to like k- skipper no, it's a boat. No, fun. I'll have that. <laughs> I'll have a weekend of doing that. How do you recruit people, Emily? Where do you get them from?
22: Well, a lot of a lot of our um, boat volunteers come through the volunteer centre, so we'll advertise an opportunity and they'll come through there. Um, but we have actually recently done a lot of presentations at schools. A lot of teachers are keen to get their um, students involved and want to hear about the charities in the local community, which is great for us.
0: I remember Emily being at school and, and someone kind of uh, of your ilk came along and said said, hey, volunteer. And the people that did it, I kind of thought, oh, you swats, you idiots. (laughs) And now that I'm in my late 30s and I've had a couple of years, two and a half years of doing it, I wish I'd done it earlier, because it's so much fun.
22: We try and emphasise that at the assembly, because I think it does seem like a big process and all this kind of thing, but I think the Olympics has been great for that, Mm. because so many people volunteered and it has become a lot more fashionable, which is great, and it is a lot
0: of fun. Do you have enough volunteers, Emily, or have you got gaps?
22: Um, we've always looking for new volunteers. Yeah. Um but I mean it has we have had a very really good year from people coming through but we've got a brand new boat so we're looking for boat crew.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want someone I'd imagine who's got a bit of experience. We provide all sorts of training. Okay. Well listen. So we that. are happy. Uh, Heather, if anyone wants to get involved with volunteering, what should they do? <laughs>
21: Well, uh, I think go on to the the Volunteering Hearts website or their local volunteer centre website. Um, There's a little box there that people can uh, apply online. I think it's it's now about 60% of of volunteers actually apply online, which is uh, an increasing trend. Um, or if they want some information um, and, and sort of a face-to-face chat, come in and talk to someone at the Volunteer Centre. We, we've got people there who, who know all the different local organisations. Um, they'd be faced with a choice of about 400 different things they can
0: do. Fantastic. For- well, listen, best of luck. Well done, both of you. Heather Allen, uh, the last voice you heard there from the Decorum Volunteer Centre in Hemel, and Emily Watts, Volunteer Coordinator for Reach Out Plus, based in Apsley. I, I do remember at school, like, the, the people that volunteered... Oh, there were swats, and you just think, oh, for goodness sakes. And then I did it about, started doing it two and a half years ago, and I wish I'd done it sooner. Because you're helping other people, and that's great, and that's why I started it. But you you just get so much fun out of it. It's such a sense of satisfaction for doing it. And, um, you know, I I, I do think it's important. I am sounding like a proper lefty today. I do think it's important to just put a little bit back into the community. And if you've got an hour a week to spare, or an hour a month, or whatever it is, it's kind of nice just to do that i can't do it now because of this job and because of the kids but when the kids are a bit older and this job becomes a bit more settled i'll go and do something somewhere else it's good uh sharon on best guitar solos uh, either leonard skinnard freebird or sultans of swing dire straits the live version with eric clapton 08459 five nine four we're gonna have some loud live electric guitar later on very very excited by that now ufos do you believe in them i do i've seen them I have seen them. According to a new study, one in ten of us claim to have seen a UFO, and one in every 100 even claim to have seen an alien. Or today on the Three Counties uh, radio. We might be about to make history and prove the existence of UFOs. If you're listening earlier, our reporter Justin uh, was out in a field in St Albans with Nigel Hughes, who promised to prove uh, that aliens and UFOs existed. Justin. Hello, Ian. What's, what's the latest? What's happening? Have oh. you seen anything from the mothership?
9: Uh, yes, mm. I have seen something in the last hour. It's have you? Been, yes, it's been a fascinating hour. Uh, Nigel is back with us here. Turn that blooming
0: podcast. music <laughs> off, Dealey. Please. <laughs> you're not to, taking this seriously. I'm to a
9: great atmosphere. No. Of this okay, uh, Nigel, welcome back to the programme. So, in the last hour, uh, I've seen a hologram of an alien here in St Albans using your rods, a magnetic lens, and a few chemicals. This is 100% proof to you that aliens do exist. Uh, yes, well, it depends
3: what you mean by proof. Uh, uh, I've shown you evidence, and you've been very good at it. It's a lot of science, but the evidence is quite clear. Just like we bring down light rays from planets and focus them with a... Um, an optical telescope. We have a system that can bring down magnetic fields which are coming from objects in space and uh, we can focus them using our magnetic system and then you can analyze them by the detection methods uh, that I showed you. Uh, and to me, we're doing this every day and it's very clear that there
9: is something out there and something very complex and of superior technology. Other people can get involved in this project. I'll give out some details in just a second. You have written to David Cameron. Uh, You are concerned that we have no protection against these aliens. Did you get a response? Uh, I did from
3: his office, uh, and um, he was too busy to see me. Um, But yes, uh, when we talk about protections, these uh, life forms are uh, superior, technological-wise, in a massive way... Um, and they have the ability to uh, come down onto the earth leave the earth and um, certainly subdue people uh, in a number of ways Um, so you know there is a
9: Cause for concern, and your lovely wife inside. What what does she make of your hobby? (laughs) She doesn't believe a word of it. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant stuff, and um, just finally, we have got your book here, which is uh, the Phoenix Point. And uh, as you say, people can come out looking for aliens with you. What's your website address? It's uh,
3: www.biolocation.com. You've done it at a very crude level this morning. Most people can do it, and and start getting these (laughs) magnetic magnetic fields down and you decide you've seen the evidence.
0: Hang on, Justin, so let me just get this straight because I, I believe in UFOs but this I'm thinking, what? So, using chemicals and yeah. rods, you've seen a, you've seen an alien?
9: Yes, I have. Well, I haven't seen one physically. Right. Okay, but we, we've seen the outline of an alien and... Uh, Can you get a picture of it, please? Well, I, it's, it's a picture uh, of air. Oh, right. <laughs> the old yes. picture of air. Is and, so we can't put it on Facebook. All oh, right. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Neil Diamond's greatest hits mm. also comes into this as well because what? that CD is used as a, uh, as a magnetic stripper if you like, which beams up to the sky uh, and then comes down, and we can see the hologram. I have to say, I am very, very sceptical about this, but yep. Nigel here is convinced 100% okay. convinced that aliens do exist. And according to Nigel, I have seen the outline of one this morning here in Hartfordshire.
0: Justin Dealey, thank you very much, our reporter uh, there. Well, John Wickham is a UFO expert from Hertfordshire and ex chairman of the British UFO Research Association. Morning, John. Good morning. What what, what do you make of... Listen, I believe in UFOs. I have seen them, and I'm, I'm more than happy to say that. But what we just heard there sounded like nonsense to me.
23: Um, Well, let's clarify one thing. Everybody sees UFOs. That means they are looking at objects that they cannot identify. Thank you, yes. So therefore, by default, they are looking at an unidentified flying object.
0: I I made that point in the meeting yesterday, and everyone just scoffed at me. But if you've seen an object that's unidentified and it's flying... It's a real
23: UFO. Of course it is. Thank you. It doesn't necessarily mean it is alien technology. (laughs) Uh, We've got to clarify that point. And also, when I believe in UFOs, well, if I'm outside Luton Airport uh, at night watching lights ascended, and descending, I'm looking at UFOs because I can't see the body of the plane, yeah. so they are UFOs. And uh, that's no, ridiculous.
0: I genuinely believe that the thing I've seen, and I've seen it twice in uh, North London, is <laughs> a, an alien spaceship. I believe it. And my wife oh. saw it, and she doesn't believe any of that nonsense. But even she went, Oh my God, what she, she couldn't comprehend what we were seeing.
23: Sure. Well, uh, w- my question to you is how can you justify that that was alien in technology just because you cannot identify? It? Are you talking
0: about the, the possible government conspiracies and supercraft they might no, be working not. on? not
23: Um, A lot of things get misidentified. You've got a lot of uh, stealth craft um, at certain angles look like domed saucer shapes.
0: Do you believe in aliens?
23: Um, Well, that's a good question. Um, There are over 300 billion stars in our galaxy, and it's estimated to be over 100 billion galaxies. Yeah. At each star is a sun, and the sun has planets orbiting it. Uh, We know that for a fact. Now, some of these other planets have um, similar gases and elements that are abundant on Earth. Therefore, it's feasible that they can can sustain some form of life, be it vegetation, bacteria, or whatever. But it's not impossible for life to exist elsewhere. John, listen,
0: I've got 20 seconds. I wish we could have longer. Have you seen an alien spacecraft?
23: Um, I've seen craft, but however they're alien, it's impossible to prove yes or no. John Wickham,
0: thank you very much. UFO expert from Hertfordshire. Phil has just texted in saying the word, wackos. Come on, Phil. Bit of respect. Ah, good morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be on at nine o'clock. But until then... BBC Three Counties exclusive prompts further investigation into Savile abuse claims. More than 600 calls a day about bin collection in in Aylesbury. We've got that figure down to about 300 of those being complaints. What are you complaining about? And shouldn't you make more of an effort to recycle? It's shameful if you don't. Don't. And the Marshall amp is 50 today. We're going to have an electric guitarist live in the studio, rocking out. Very exciting.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Okay. in a minute we will talk more about Jimmy Savile. But before that, uh, about 20 minutes ago, I threw out the question. I didn't think we would get any calls from people who had had premonitions. Because it's all nonsense, isn't it? Isn't it? Let's talk to Shirley and Milton Keynes. Shirley, you've had a premonition. Hi, Ian. Yeah. Well, I
7: didn't,
5: but my mum did. Go on, tell me what <laughs> happened. Well, years ago, right, this was back in the... Probably in the 70s. Um, my mum wasn't a gambler, and she never did any gambling. But my dad often put um, maybe put a bet on a horse. But my mum had a dream one night that um, a horse, by a certain name, had won a, a horse race. Yeah. And, um she told my dad about it the next day and she said oh I've dreamt, I've dreamt this anyway a couple of days later it was a Saturday my dad was reading through the paper and he said you'll never guess what a horse with a name that you dreamt of is in the paper and they were like really sceptical because my mum's going oh you don't think you know I, I could have dreamt that you know that it's one and it's going to my dad said well it's worth a bet but they, my mum not being a gambler was going no no, oh, no I don't think so don't, don't put much on so my dad just put something like five pounds he didn't put loads no. of money on, and this horse won the race. Oh, you're joking! No, how much did they mum- win? Well, they they won, but not loads and loads of money. You know, it was something like seventy pound
11: or fifty. It wasn't loads, and they. And my mum was kicking herself because she said, "If they'd have, you know, they really should have gone with it." They should have put the house on it. They should have put the house on it, Shirley.
0: Thank you very much for that. If you've got a, a premonition story, we've got a lot to cram in in the next fifty five minutes. But we'll see if we can get you on the oh uh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, the story that just continues to dominate the news every morning we come in. Are we doing Savile? No. Oh, hang on. It's huge again. Every day there's a revelation. Well, we now hear that Thames Valley Police have launched an investigation into the sex abuse scandal after a call into Jonathan's show yesterday. John Lindsay called JVS under the alias of George to say he had previously worked for the National Crime Squad. He had reported allegations that Jimmy Savile molested children at the Stoke Mandeville Hospital in the 1970s, but he was ignored. Here's what he said to Jonathan.
16: I was told by... Uh, a young nurse in the late 70s who is now a senior sister in uh, a different hospital, that they were very, very concerned about Savo's visits to um, young girls in uh, in hospital.
17: Are you telling me, and I understand you have to be careful, George, yes. but are you telling me, as as a retired policeman... Yes that the police did know about Jimmy Savile's goings-on?
16: I spoke to a senior officer, having had that conversation...
17: Back in the 70s, this
16: was? Back in the, This is the late 70s. Yes. You know, late 70s. Yes. And, um, I wasn't believed.
17: So you reported it within your own police force... Yes. That you believed Jimmy Savile was potentially molesting girls and and people within your own police force didn't believe you?
16: Yeah, the the phrase in the job, uh, Jonathan, is Savile must be looked at, seriously looked at, because there's something wrong.
17: And you said that because you believed that there was something going on?
16: Oh, yes. Because I was told this by a very responsible... uh, Well, then a young lady, a young nurse, who later became uh, a senior uh, sister.
0: There was a call yesterday on Jonathan Vernon Smith's show. Peter Blexley was one of the founding members of Scotland Yard's undercover police squad in the mid-80s. He joins me on the line now. Good morning, Peter.
15: Morning. What you just heard there, does that surprise you at all? No, it doesn't. Uh, Why not? Well, I was in the cops in the late 1970s. And not only were the police very different in those days, but society as a whole was a, was very different. We lived in a completely different world. In what way different? <laughs> Well, you know, in those days, child protection teams hadn't been formed. Mm. Child abuse investigations were almost unheard of. That that wasn't something that was dealt with by the police. It wasn't seen as being in the police's remit. We hadn't had inquiries into children's homes and into uh, allegations of abuse by the clergy. All those kind of things were mm. completely unheard of. And the cops in those days were largely playing cops and robbers in a much more sort of typical form.
0: But if, if a police officer, like we heard there, uh, uh, had re- said to other police officers, hey, listen, we think there's someone having sex with kids, surely someone would have looked into it, wouldn't
15: they? Well, yeah, as, as I say, you know, those kind of investigations were were almost unheard of in yeah. those days. They weren't the bread and butter of policing, which they are today. There was no dedicated specialist teams. People hadn't had specialist training with regards to those kind of things. And, you know, I think the power... The Savile wielded by by the sheer size of his personality um, may well have led to your caller being told to be quiet, don't rock the boat, get on with it. Fortunately, we live in a very different Mm -hmm. world today, and uh, I'd like to think that wouldn't be able to uh, occur today.
0: Did you hear anything, Peter? I mean, you you worked in the police, you worked at Scotland Yard. Did you ever hear anything about Savile?
15: No, no, I didn't, no. Never came anywhere near him. But if I can just give you a little kind of uh, an example of how sort of influence would would spread, even on a local level. There was a local restaurateur, okay, who was very generous towards the police and detectives. They they ate and drank for nothing in his restaurant. And one night, um, his driving was appalling, and I had to nick him for drink driving dragged him into the nick, and then a senior officer came to me and then tried to exert his influence, in other words, so, so that they could release him without charge. You know, and I know that's a very... perhaps doesn't, doesn't Look, warrant drawing comparison, but gets that's the, the kind of world we
0: lived in. When, when, when did that happen, Peter?
15: Back in the late 1970s. I had to stand very, very strong and resist... You stood the, up to him. Yeah, yeah, no. because, because, because I had to, you know, and I had to ensure that the guy you know, kind of faced uh, justice for, for what he'd done. But, you know, in those days, it was very different. Senior officers wielded enormous power. Yeah. There wasn't whistleblowing systems. People weren't encouraged to, to talk about wrongdoing. On on the very contrary, they were encouraged to join in wrongdoing. You know, it was a very different world and very much darker days.
0: One thing that, is, that, that uh, this has got me wondering, uh, and maybe I'm going completely off the, off, off track here, that if the police gave Jimmy Savile such, um, you know, they they, they kind of ignored and turned a blind eye, is it possible that a senior policeman could have been involved?
15: Well, I don't really want to go down that route because I I have no evidence to support or or otherwise that kind of that mm. kind of thing. But you know, the sheer size of his personality, I'm sure, mm. would have been very very daunting for people and may and may have frightened people into keeping quiet. Mm. You know, fortunately now celebrities, uh, in many regards, are subjected to to enormous kind of uh, scrutiny by the media a 24 hour media and I'd like to think that uh, the opportunity for somebody no matter how large their personality and how big their profile, I'd like to think the opportunity for somebody to kind of behave with impunity now is 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 far far less likely than it was back in those days Peter
0: Blexley, thank you very much, founding member of Scotland Yard's undercover police squad we can go now to Rob Wilson who's MP for Reading East he's written to Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust requesting a full inquiry into what happened at Stoked Mandeville. Uh, Morning, Rob. Good
6: morning. Rob, Rob, what have you
0: said in your letter?
6: Well, essentially, well, can I just say firstly, the scale of all this uh, Jimmy Savile stuff is absolutely staggering. When I I set out on this uh, a few weeks ago, uh, it was really looking at what was going on in the BBC, and it's unfolded into a situation now where we have not just the BBC, but parts of the NHS, the Crown Prosecution Service, and as you've just been hearing, the police. So... This is getting bigger almost by the day. Mm. But I wrote to um, the chief executive because I think that there are a number of questions that need to be answered, uh, not least, the, for example, why was Jimmy Savile allowed to roam freely around wards in an in a, in a NHS hospital? Uh, what did staff know? When did they know it? Was it reported? Was it recorded? You know, I could go on and on with a list of quite important questions that really do need to be looked at by by the hospital itself because the hospital can look at things that the police aren't going to look at. For example, the police will look at the criminality, will look at um, the crimes committed, and will look if they can put evidence together to prosecute somebody. Uh, Although, obviously, Jimmy Salvo's passed away, they'll be looking if there are other associates and other implications as well. But this hospital itself. It needs to look at what the culture was like, what the management was doing, uh, whether the process uh, of process the management we're using were right. There's a whole series of things that the hospital needs to look at and learn from. And not just Stoke Mandeville, it will, it will be instructive for other organisations in the NHS and beyond.
0: What seems to, to, to be amazing and, and what is possibly emerging is that blind eyes were turned at various levels in various organisations because of A, Jimmy Savile's celebrity and B, and perhaps more importantly, because of the, the money that he brought in for charities.
6: I mean, that is a worry. It, it is a real worry. If celebrity status can, in a sense, buy you immunity, which is really what we're talking about, there is a question, did... And this is a big question for Stoke Mandeville and other people. It, I mean, did, did the hospital turn a blind eye in any way did it not do do what it should have done on the basis of the the rumours that it was a hearing because it was worried that the charity tap was going to be turned off if Jimmy Savile wasn't involved anymore.
0: Rob Wilson MP for Reading East thank you very much he's written to to Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust requesting a full inquiry it just keeps going and growing and growing. Good morning this is Ian Lee just about uh, 8.15 on Friday the 12th of October coming up Earlier on, I had a... a, a, Well, it was an argument, let's be honest, with Trevor in Woburn. He said I was a lefty, I was responsible for the immigration problem, all because I said that we should do recycling. He also said I was the worst presenter on the radio. Well, he he may have a point there, I can't argue with that. Uh, We'll talk more about that in a bit. 08459 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio. Cough It Up Love, it Three might radio. be a gold watch.
0: I know, I've got a bit of uh, touch of man flu brewing, I we've, think. We've all had it, we've all had it. It started, oh. if, I'm, if I'm honest, it started from a member of my team. Ah. Uh, young Kelly, who works on my team, has been spreading it around liberally. Ah, Kelly is the uh, the source, is she? She is the source of this uh, this virus that's going around. And she, I think that when a, 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 a junior member of the team is ill, they shouldn't come in. Because if I don't come in, I don't get paid. Okay, I've had a day off sick because of that, so I am going to be invoicing her for the (laughs) £5,000 per show fee I receive. Poor Kelly, she's such a lovely person.
17: Okay, it's debatable. What's on your show this morning, Jonathan? Coming up on the big phone in this morning, I'm asking.
0: are uh, and and uh, it's very interesting. Thanks so much for playing our call yesterday. The call you had yesterday from the ex-copper, I thought well, it's one of those moments on radio where you just everyone is quiet. They turn the radio up and it, uh, up, and it's just an amazing listen. It was incredible.
17: Well, it was it was amazing that he called in yesterday yep. on the big phone in this morning. We're we're taking it on. I'm asking: Are people who turned a blind eye to Jimmy Savile partly to blame? Mm. So we're here. Are you were talking about it earlier, the fact that um, there are now suspicions that people in the NHS, people at the BBC, people in the police now, mm. they knew. Mm. There, were, there were people who knew what Jimmy Savile was doing, and yet, what did they do about it while he was alive? Mm. What did they do? Nothing, mm. it would appear. So are people who turned a blind eye to Jimmy Savile partly to blame? I want your calls from nine oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do you think they're to blame, or do you think that's actually quite easy to say? But exposing, blowing the whistle on someone as big as Jimmy Savile, it's
0: easier said than done. Mm. I want your calls at nine on the big phone in. Well, there's there's several things, isn't there? There's always the threat that he raised so much money for charity that that charities would lose literally millions of pounds. And he just had such a huge personality, not in any way justifying it, but people like that are are terrifying. You know, they're terrifying to come up against. And if if you're a a, a lone voice, if you're a woman in your 30s, 40s, you you're abused 20, 30 years ago, who's going to believe you? if you stand up on your own. it's You know, that's, that's the, I guess, the impression these people would have. But I think it's a fascinating way of looking at it. Well, listening. we will discuss it from nine, and uh, we'll see what people think. I look forward to listening, Jonathan. Thank you very much. See you later on. Have a good weekend. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. If you want to call Jonathan, give him another 40 minutes or so. He needs to settle into it. You can email him, of course. Uh, 3cr at bbc.co.uk Um... We've had a, a tweet on recycling. You can tweet us. At BBC. Uh, no, uh, what is it? At BBC 3CR, isn't it? Yes, that is our tweet uh, address. Leah said, Ian, I despise recycling. In fact, I go out of my way to anti-recycle by putting food stuff in the recycle bin. Good day. Listen, it's our responsibility to do this. And Jonathan came in and said, look, I'd love to have an argument with you about this recycling, but it's, it's probably inappropriate. We should put, focus on, on, on the Savile stuff. But uh, may- maybe that's a battle for a later day i would love listen d- bosses if you're listening one day can jonathan and i do a show together where we just argue because i think we're opposing on so many different views wouldn't it be great i would listen to that a show where he sat on one side i'm sat on the other and i put him right on quite a few things well we'll sort that maybe have a christmas we'll sort that out as a christmas special that could be quite a good listen it's true <laughs> Now, if you live in Aylesbury, you might have noticed big changes to your rubbish collections over the last month. You should have new bins for recycling, and your collection date may have changed. Always confusing when it happens. And also, a lot of people aren't particularly happy. More than 600 calls are being made every day to the District Council about the new system, and we discovered on this show that around half of them are complaints. Collections are apparently being missed, and people are facing long delays, calling the waste hotline. Well, from Monday, three-quarters of households in Bedford will have a new collection date. Joining me in the studio is Professor Chris Coggins, an independent waste management consultant from Luton. Good morning, Professor. Good morning. Why do councils experience so many problems with bin collections?
7: I think partly it's down to poor planning in preparation yeah obviously households get used to doing a certain thing so they're used to using a particular type of bin or they've got a bag or a basket then any changes need to be well thought out Mm. well planned and well communicated and that means obviously taking into account um, any language issues any social uh, demographic issues and properly communicating the material Mm. leaflet should be clear yeah. Um, I uh, spend time looking at leaflets from around the country, and I'm always surprised that the leaflets aren't always properly proofread, and people look at them and think, well, I don't understand that.
0: All the Christmas leaflets, saying when cl- you're getting your bins collected over Christmas, are a nightmare to understand. They never make it quite as clear. Is it coming on a Tuesday, or is it going to be a Thursday this week? It's all over the shop. We're talking
7: about recycling. Yep. Are you a fan of recycling? I'm in favour of recycling, but it's got to be done in the correct way.
0: A a, a lot of people, a lot of callers uh, to this show, have said that recycling is the council's responsibility. I pay my council tax, why should I do their work for them?
7: I think at the end of the day, everybody has got a responsibility. We buy things... Some of those things are over-packaged, we buy things we don't need, we buy too much food, and we create waste. Mm. And we expect waste to go away. But where does it go? Mm. It goes somewhere. And at the end of the day, I think the, um, most people now recognize that waste is a resource in the wrong place, in the wrong quantity, the wrong quality
0: is recycling effective i had an argument with a gentleman called trevor earlier on and i think that we should recycle because it doesn't take it any time i've got two bins i put glass bottles in one plastic in the other rubbish in the third so the three bins. uh and trevor was furious and he said i'm not going to recycle it's not my responsibility i shouldn't be doing it, it is it actually having any effect recycling is it going to make the world better for my kids and my grandkids
7: Yes, I think eventually when we start getting proper recycling on the go at the moment in the UK, we've got 40% recycling rates. That's a lot more than we were doing even four or five years ago. Mm. And at the end of the day, recycling means that we're digging less waste out of the ground, we're cutting down fewer forests to make the wood to get the, for the pulp to make the paper.
0: What, what is confusing is you go from council to council and they have different kind of recycling schemes and in some you just have one bin and you can put everything in, in some you've got two bins, some you've got the food bin. Why, does it, why is there no consistency about recycling?
7: In part, I think it's lack of government leadership. There's no reason why government should take a lead and put down common standards. Mm. And at the end of the day, when you go around the country and, as you say, you're talking about different numbers of bins then basically it's a case that um, there's two main ideas. One is that you give people a number of bins and they expect the households to separate them. Mm. Now, that in one way is good because it means that the materials are all in separate bins. Yeah. But it means that it's more work for the, pe- for the council to collect them. But the quality is better. Mm. In the case of other councils who provide one bin where all the recyclables go in, the danger is even those recyclables can contaminate each other.
0: Okay, listen. stay there, Professor. We can now speak to the Mayor of Bedford, Dave Hodgson. Good morning, Dave. Morning, Ian. Uh, what changes are happening in your area? Well, we're
24: keeping we're keeping our weekly bin collections, and uh, I think our recycling system's simple. We've got a, an orange bin that you can put in uh, the sort of the, the cardboard, paper, cartons, plastic, uh, metal packaging. But uh, the thing that's changed is that we're changing the days. We haven't rerouted, we haven't done looked at the routes for 10 years, and by changing the routes, we can save ourselves about £200,000. So as well as the people's days, over three-quarters of the population uh, will have their day of collection changed, but you'll also have the time. So if everybody can make sure they check, there's been leaflets, as uh, Professor Coggins said. We've actually put literature out, uh, made sure we've been people aware. If you want to check which day, if you haven't got the leaflet, go on the website, bedford.gov. Uh, dot uk slash bins and check up you put your postcode in find out which day your bin will be collected
0: we heard from Aylesbury that they've missed out about 100 properties are you sure you've got everywhere covered we're pretty certain yeah we've done the
24: route and we um, this goes live next next week if we haven't we'll go out and pick it up but we're pretty certain we have
0: and so how many recy- different recycling bins are there
24: there's one for green waste, so that's, that's stuff from the garden. There's one other, and then there's the, the residual waste. The residual waste will be collected weekly, the other two alternate.
0: So, y- your bottles and your tins and your plastic are yep. all going in the same bin?
24: Yeah, unfortunately, glass doesn't go in. There's very little. Most people take the glass to a, a, a site at uh, a sort of one of the bottle banks. Professor, what do, what do you make of that? Does that sound sensible?
7: I think that's okay, as long as people uh, hopefully walk to the bottle bank, they yeah. don't take the car.
24: Yes. Or, or do it when they're shopping, of course. Or perhaps well, drive yeah. when, they,
7: when they go to the yeah. supermarket, that's another idea. Yeah. But yeah. the issue is a case, it's another bit of a hassle that they're expected to do something.
0: Yeah. Um, d- uh, Dave, d- so you're happy that everything's going to go through smoothly, are you?
24: Yeah, obviously it starts next week, so we find out, but people know about it, this kind of uh, the programme here helps... It all changes next Monday. Make sure you know which days uh, your bin goes out. It will change. We've also used the opportunity to tell people to t- hopefully clear your... Know, I'll let, send you a leaflet make sure our Christmas collection is clear to you um, and let people know when the Christmas collections are as well. We've had a
0: lot of callers this morning saying, why should I bother recycling? I, I pay my council tax, you mm. should do it.
24: Oh, I mean, absolutely. Um, but of course, if we do recycle, we do get some money back. So we keep the council tax down by doing that. There is an actually economic um, argument to this. If you can recycle, we do get some money through recyclings. The better it's recycled, the more money we get. And that, uh, as well as actually the, the environmental impact, it does have a financial one.
0: OK. Well, listen, uh, Dave, thank you very much. Best of luck. We'll be keeping thank an you. eye on it. Good luck. Thank you, Ron. Uh, it sounds straightforward and sensible in- in- enough there, but basically, Professor, you would say, yes, recycling is a good idea. We should be doing it.
7: At the end of
0: the day... Oh, there you I saw you there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
7: Yes, I think it is important, but I think we, we have a contrast between what the, uh, the Bedford person was saying, that m- keeping glass separate yeah. is, in my mind, the best route. OK. Because the paper industry does not like glass in any paper that it collects right. so at the end of the day councils when they talk about the economics and so on they've got to be prepared to look at the quality mm. that they get and the quality that you get from putting all the materials in one bin is sometimes less than collecting the individual items separately
0: if you don't recycle you should go to prison I, se- I think that seriously because you're ruining the, 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 the planet for my kids and their kids and stuff like that Professor, thank you very much for coming in Professor Chris Coggins Independent Waste Management Consultant from Luton
1: The BBC in hearts and barks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: There is a hive of activity in the BBC Three Counties studio. as a team of electricians and boffins and sound engineers set up for our guests that we're having just before nine o'clock. I'm very, very excited. Uh, coming up in the next half an hour, we'll be um, looking back uh, to the 10th anniversary of the Bali bombing. Um, more on volunteering. And also, we will be having a live guitarist,
11: electric style,
0: in the studio. Um, talking about rubbish as well. Um, rubbish collections are being changed, and it's got me onto collections and recycling and all that kind of stuff. There was a cracking argument at half past six, thereabouts, um, with me and Trevor, who says, because I, I, I think that if you, you should recycle if you don't, then shame on you. Shame on you. And Trevor was furious. He called me a lefty, said I was the worst presenter on radio. Ah, There may be something in that. I mean, I would I would argue... James Whale is perhaps worse. But yes, you know, I'm I'm pretty close down there. But thank you for that, Trevor. If you want to hear that call, it'll be on the the Facebook page later on. We'll put it up as an audio boot. Go to Facebook, find the BBC Three Counties page, and we'll, we'll post it up there. But Norma is in Hatfield. Good morning, Norma. Good morning. What's your take on all this rubbish?
25: Um, Well, the take on the rubbish is, our rubbish collection, the date was changed 12 months ago, come November. And um, since then, I would explain, first of all, that it's a block of flats where we have three very large Euro bins, which service about 20, 21 flats. Since the date changed, um, we're having to phone up at least once a month... Because our bins, the bins haven't been emptied and they've been missed. Well, they for- they just forget to come and do it. I think they're too lazy. They're too big to move. Um, hence, um, you know, with um, that amount of flats using these bins, the black bags get deposited on the ground. We live quite close to a playing field, so we get rats squirrels, magpies who break the bags open Mm. we have to walk over so baby nappies, so tampons and very Mm. unpleasant things to actually get to our back door
0: and what do the council say so you're funning up once a month, What, what do they say
25: um, well, they say, oh, yes, sorry. Um, they know me not by now. They know my name and they know my voice. They know my address. <laughs>
0: Norma's on the line again. Send someone round.
25: <laughs> well, they do say it's their policy to actually come and do the collection again within, you know, within 48 hours. Um, right. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But you can imagine how unpleasant it is for people who have got children and everything like that having to walk over this mess. And this hasn't, this is... It been, hasn't been sorted out now, and it's almost 12 months since
0: our rubbish collection day was changed. Oh, dear. Well, Norma, listen, you, you, you paint a horrible, horrible image. Uh, I hope you, you, you get it sorted. Let us know how it goes. It, it seems odd that they, they, they're too lazy to come and do it. If you've experienced anything like that, do get in touch. We're talking as well about volunteering. Volunteering numbers is up, which is fantastic news. Uh, It's good to do. Karen uh, has got in touch. My daughter's school encouraged volunteering on a Wednesday afternoon. My daughter has volunteered at the local swimming club, assisting teaching young children to improve their swimming schools. And at 14, she went on a swimming association course to improve. She still does this every Wednesday and Friday, and at age 16, she has a level one in teaching aquatics. It is a good thing to do. I, don't know, I, I did it for a couple, two and a half years. I will do it again when life kind of gets b- back more into order a little bit. I'm more used to getting up at four o'clock and I find something else I want to do. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double five, five, double five is the telephone number now today marks the 10th anniversary of the barley bombing in which more than 200 people were killed among those who helped with the rescue efforts was firefighter russell ward from nash mills in hertfordshire he's kept in contact with the
13: families and here he talks to justin Deely about Jodie kearns who sadly lost her life jody's um an experience that that you know sometimes i think divine might be too strong a word but it but it, it felt like that um it was 24 hours into the bombing when i ended up going from the hospital to working in the field hospital on the tarmac on the airport with the Australian military. And Jodie had come out of the back of an ambulance and was critically injured and very serious. And i just put a young girl in, in, a, in a body bag that had sadly died just before that. And, and the medics asked me if I could try and ventilate and do CPR to keep Jodie alive at that point because they needed to do surgery on other people. But they pre-warned me that she was going to die and had about a 3% chance of survival. But When I was working with Jodie, um, I felt a love from this woman and... and um, she was slipping away and and but you could feel her spirit would not let go and 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 i and i felt that with jody so i i I worked on jody for for two hours and and it goes back in my life i was in a monastery for a little period of time and and was taught how to work with someone dying and and it all come back in that moment It was just about love and and i know i connected in that moment with a love that's beyond ego that was, was very special and That life force in itself of of that love I I know was sustaining Jodie and she was asking that of me at that point. The world disappeared in that period of time and and when I handed Jodie over to the Hercules jet crew and the medics, I just asked them to love her, to keep her alive and and, and there was people crying in in the air at the conversations and felt that love from Jodie. So I, I, I went to Australia for a funeral when I met her mum. I was able to spend... The full day, just me and Trish, and she took me to Jodie's flat and showed me her letters and her dresses and her outfits. And The day Jodie died was the day she was born in my life, and, and Jodie stays with me and always gives me strength and faith. And her mum is adorable, and, and I love her dearly, and, and I'm, I'm blessed for that connection. And Trish also pointed out she believed that Jodie was on earth for a reason, and I'm convinced that she was the light in a nation's darkest hour. And... and was an inspiration to millions um so he's a very very special person to me
0: firefighter russell ward who helped out um during the Bali bombings now among those who died was 37 year old jonathan elwood from albury in hertfordshire his brother tobias is now the conservative mp for bournemouth east good morning tobias good morning 10th anniversary how does how does that make you feel how are you feeling this morning
26: Um, I'm personally very moved by the story um, or the clip that you just played Was that incredible? Um, I met Russell um, a number of times not when I went out there to um, try and locate my brother but um, at uh, later events and he's an incredible man Mm. and uh, an absolute hero he dropped what he was doing to help out in a chaotic and mad situation the Balinese could not cope their morgue could only manage 12 bodies at any time and suddenly... 202 were placed in the sunlight outside on the tarmac it was absolutely pandemonium and um, it, I, th- I think these anniversaries actually are, are, are very tough on on anyone connected to, with the families, but just because of the horrendous nature in which the whole event took took place, of not knowing what information was happening, I'm afraid the British government was absolutely appalling.
0: Really? Well, how did the, what was what was their situation? What happened?
26: Well, well when, when these events take place, you, I, 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 I was I was just working in, in the UK. I wasn't a member of parliament. My brother was a teacher in the international school in Vietnam, um, and uh, down in Bali for an official conference, uh, we heard that the event had taken the, the bomb had exploded. No information whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. So eventually, I just decided, as many, to go there myself, expecting to find a you know a British Land Rover with a you know Union Jack on it, saying "Come this way, and uh, we'll sort you. We'll we'll help you out." Absolutely nothing. It was the local Rotary Club that actually mobilised themselves to look after us and uh, no embassy personnel whatsoever. And I had to eventually um, wander through the bodies and, and identify my brother myself. And, uh, in fact, when somebody from the Home Office came to, to assist, um, he had to be sent back because he couldn't cope with the... Um, uh, it, you know with the situation it was thankfully that has now all changed uh, jack straw this foreign secretary has now got emergency response teams who mm. are trained to help out in natural disasters as well as, as as things like this but so these anniversaries are actually you know we we miss our loved ones every day but um just because of the horrible nature of the event itself um so,
0: so if, I could, if, if, I, if i can ask and if i ask a question that's too personal tell me to, to, to keep my nose out but you, you went out there not knowing if your brother was alive or dead,
26: no, we had no idea. Um, and my sister, who was also a teacher um, in Penang at the time, wandered around the hospitals looking for him. Couldn't find anything. You Eventually
0: You're going from hospital
26: to hospital? Absolutely, going from hospital to hospital, and we uh, no, could not find anything. And, and I, I'd, I'd served in the armed forces myself, so I had sort of a bit more of experience of dealing with. You know the aftermath of of operations and things like that. So I went went there and and then eventually went to the morgue. And fortunately, I took the dental record so we were able to confirm you know who my brother uh, was but uh, I, even more frustrating is that mi5 knew that um al-qaeda had a presence in indonesia and was looking to target nightclubs uh with westerners in it and the travel advice didn't say anything about this at all unless believe it or not you actually subscribed to a paid service which then told you to stay away from indonesia sorry uh, absolutely you, um, had
0: to, you had to pay a subscription to f- to, to find out yeah,
26: terrorist well, advice you could, at those, in that stage, pay for a more detailed intelligence picture. That's shocking. Um, absolutely shocking. Again, that's another thing that was changed straight away to a much simplified, transparent system. Um, so today, you know, we're left wondering mm. all the time. Uh, I've I, I backpacked, I'm sure you have, across places, and mm. you, you don't bother looking at the travel lights. You just enjoy yourself. But he was on an official visit, and they would have taken heedens to any uh, suggestion to, if the threat level had been risen, raised to high, the conference would have been cancelled, and my brother would be alive today.
0: Tobias, can I ask what, what are you and your family going to be doing today?
26: We did b- think about going to Bali, there's some, been some events taking place there today but it is so em- emotional and raw, there's, there is an event in St James's Park where there's a memorial here and that we'll be meeting with other uh, uh, families, victims and so forth, there's a service that takes place at 11 o'clock today um, uh, and then we'll be spending some time in Oldbury in where my brother is, is actually buried in the church in Oldbury in itself
0: Thanks very much for sharing your story, Tobias. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tobias uh, Elwood, who, the, the brother of Jonathan Elwood, who was 37 years old when he was killed 10 years ago today. And um, it's odd, isn't it? We all hear these stories about bombs and, and terrorist activities all around the world. Uh, and it's kind of quite easy for us to distance ourselves from them. But when you speak to someone like that who has personally been inf- affected by it, and his sister was going from hospital to hospital trying to find out if their brother was dead... Um, you know, it just makes you think how lucky we are. Thank you very much. Right. On the subject of rubbish, Carol's in Bedford. Yes, Carol.
4: Hello. Hello, Um, Carol. We had a leaflet through the door about a fortnight ago. Yes. Informing us that the rubbish collection would be on a Wednesday instead of a Thursday. Yeah. I've got three bins, a green one, an orange one, and a grey one, and, um, it's no problem. Oh. Absolutely no problem at all. I put them out last thing... Well, it will be on a Tuesday night now, cos it starts next yeah. week. And, uh, they're emptied in the morning at whatever time the dustmen come. So I can't understand why all these people are moaning.
0: So hang on, you think that the people are confused by it and put a, They're all a bunch of moaning mandies and they should just get on with it?
4: Well, no, I can imagine some people are confused by it, but i stuck the leaflet up on my kitchen wall. Yeah so I can refer to it in case I have a senior moment, so to speak. <laughs> Good for you, well done. And also, what you said is interesting, that you and your neighbours
0: talk about it.
4: Yeah, that's right. My yeah. next-door neighbour, we keep an eye on each other. Yeah. We're both fairly Um We're ex-school teachers, so yeah. we should be. And uh, if I put the room in out, my neighbour says, uh, Wrong one, Carol. Fantastic! And if he puts the wrong one out. I say, ha, 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 wrong one, Carol. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, Carol. Listen, thank you very much, Karen Bedford. Let's see what the problem is. The roots change. She's coping with it. Right, travel news now. Sophie Tyler, who has seen a UFO, I believe. Coming up, we're going to celebrate 50 years of martial Amps with Rock.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Very, very exciting. It's 50 years of uh, Marshall amps that we're celebrating. He was known as the father of loud. Jim Marshall opened the iconic Marshall's Amp Factory in Bletchley 50 years ago today. The amp has gone on to be used by some of the most famous guitarists in history, from Hendrix to Slash. Well, Paul Marshall is Jim's son, and he joins me on the line now. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Ian. How cool is it growing up with the name Marshall and saying, yeah, you know those amps? That was my dad. (laughs) That must have been the coolest thing, wasn't it? it? It was.
27: But, you know, when I was younger, um, I was just really into the rock music. Yeah. So I was going and watching the bands like Motorhead and ACDC. And um, to be honest, you know, I didn't give too much thought to the uh, the name on the stage. And <laughs>
15: Did I was you just going so to the music. No, I, I, just I would have totally have
0: been too. going, I would have taken girls on
27: dates and gone, yeah, you see that?
0: That's my dad, that is, <laughs> for goodness sake. It must be a very special and proud day for you today, Paul.
27: Well, it's a, I think it's a proud day for, for everybody in the family and everybody in the company. You know, 50 Years of Loud, um, which we celebrated at Wembley a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've, we've been celebrating it all year with different events, but the main one was, was at Wembley. Um, and it's a fantastic achievement, you know, something that Dad, Dad has achieved. Now, unfortunately, Dad, Dad is no longer with us this year. You know, he, he died earlier this year. Yeah, of course. Um, and it would have been great if he had been at the 50th uh, show at Wembley to see all the artists up there who all gave up their time free Come who who did you have? What
0: artists it. did you have there?
27: Oh, um, Billy Duffy from The Cult, uh, Zach Wilde from BLS, um, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, uh, Glenn Hughes of Deep Purple and um, Black Country Communion, uh, Joe Satriani, Paul Gilbert, and the list just goes on. You're, you're friends with Slash, aren't you? Well, my, my role in the company, I, l- I look after deal with a lot of the artists, but I, mean, I was with Slash yesterday, yes. It's,
0: <laughs> you were with Slash yesterday. How cool is that? Is he like in your mobile phone?
27: Um, yes, yeah, that's, part, that's part of my role in the company. So I have <laughs> lots of uh, lots of people's uh, phone numbers and addresses now in my mobile phone. I'd hate my big biggest fear is losing it.
0: Yeah, I, I bet it is. I bet. It, well, listen, I, I, let's go off on a slight tangent. What names have you got on your mobile phone, Paul?
27: Oh, I don't know, all, all sorts of
0: people. Are oh, you like playing so that. cool? How <laughs> can you be so cool? Um, uh, yeah. So what was it about Marshall amps that, that that separated them? Because they really, I mean, you had Vox, you had Fender, but it was Marshall that really became the, the must-have amp for rock, wasn't it?
27: Absolutely. I, back in the, yeah, the early 60s, yeah, late 50s, very beginning of the 60s, as you say, you had the Fender, you had, you had the Vox, and they were the amps of choice. But there's a new generation coming through, and you know, Dad had a shop in well. And a lot of the, these young guys that were hanging in the shop. Richard Blackmore, mm. um, Jeff Beck, Pete Townsend, um, Eric Clapton. know, they, yeah, they wanted something different for their generation. They wanted something a bit more rude, a bit more raucous. Um, you know, they wanted to to a bit more aggressive aggressiveness in their in, the, in their sound. And you know, they, they were just talking to Dad. Um, Dad it, the shop? I wasn't there. It must have been such a cool shop to be in because mm. all these people were just hanging out, and they weren't anybody famous then. They were just local lads hanging out in the shop talking about the music talking about the sound they wanted and and dad was able to to translate that thought from the head of what they were trying to describe to him and and with his help of his engineers create this this amplifier mm. that, that yeah the first one the jtm45 that um, came out in 1962 um yeah they just i think it was about the fifth prototype um which can be seen in the factory at the moment that's used in our museum and and this amplifier. You he know, just gave them that that sound. I mean, I think Pete Townsend described it as his, his uh, weapon of choice. He <laughs> described it like a, uh, a spitfire.
0: And, it, of course, in, in the 70s, it, it, it sort of became the thing to have a, a stack of marshals. You, you know, the, the, the more marshals you had piled on top of each other, kind of the better you were to a certain extent, weren't you? Uh,
27: well, there was that. I mean, at the time, yeah, the bands were looking for louder amplifiers, louder music, bigger stacks, bigger cabinets. And, um, yeah, initially, yeah, dad made the, the 8x12s, and the, and then it kept, became the two by 12s which became the stack. And then you had the amplifiers, yeah, you know, they went from 50 watts, um, which, you yeah, know, the 1987 amplifier, was not not the year, the model number, on it, 1987 was the first 50 watt, and then that became a 100 watt amplifier. And then Richie Blackmore wanted a 200 watt amplifier. In fact, the, the Richie Blackmore, I believe, came to the factory in Bletchley <coughs> in the 70s and uh, with his 200 watt amplifier having it modded up to about 300 watts Fantastic and he, so, you know, he, he was playing while the factory <laughs> everybody's trying to work in the factory he has <laughs> got his amps set up and he said, yeah, I had to turn it up loud because that's how I play yeah. um, and he's got you know, engineers listening to him and uh, he's telling them what he wants and they're making adjustments and he's playing in the factory while everybody's trying to do their work Your dad was a drummer though, wasn't he? He was uh, Well, how, how did he get involved with amps? Well, <clears throat> because dad, dad, uh, he was a drummer he came off the road and had a drum shop and a lot of the bands would go in there. And this was the day when the whole band would just go in together. I mean, they still do nowadays. You get the whole band going together um, and Dad would repair people's drums. Because some of the parts, especially the American drums, it's difficult to get hold of the parts. Yeah. So it goes to Dad and his drum shop. And the customer service was just excellent. So the whole band would say to Dad, well, look, if you do double basses or if you do guitars or if you do bass guitars, we'll come to you for those. So he started a music shop and it became um James Marshall Music um, Shop. And <coughs> the... Uh, and, and so, yeah, all the bands are hanging out in the shop. In the shop. But Dad, Dad's passion was drums. Mm. He'd come off, at the, off the road as, as a drummer. I mean, one of the last gigs he played, I believe, was with Pete Townsend's father, actually. Um,
0: I, lo- I, lo- I love the way these names just keep getting tossed into the conversation. Listen, Paul, it's an absolute pleasure and an honour to speak to you, sir. Thank you very much. Congratulations on 50 years as well.
27: Well, thank you, And I mean, the congratulations goes to the company, you know. Is, uh, to, to dad, to the family, and, and the company. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and the great thing about it is the people who, who, who work in, within the company, um, they're passionate about the, the amplifiers, they're passionate about music. There's people who have been there for mm. you know, 30-odd years um yeah what well, on that side in blickshley it's just fantastic
0: and that's what sustained it i think listen paul marshall thank you very much jim marshall's son uh, now this gets very exciting because joining me in the studio we've got lloyd james from hartfordshire good morning lloyd hello there uh, how are you doing you're right yeah very well you're all tooled up you've got weapons with you look at this oh yes Let's, uh, you you
28: play uh, b- g- guitar in a band that's right yeah and you teach guitar i do you look too young to be a teacher Who? <laughs> well, how long have you been playing for I've been playing for about seven. If you just come a little bit closer to the microphone. How long have you been playing for, sorry? Seven or eight years, yeah. or something like that. And what made you kind of get into it? Um, well, I started playing bass initially because my friends started a band that was awful. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, they needed a bass. They, they're always looking
0: for a bass player, aren't they? Yeah, they looking <laughs> for <a bass> player.
28: <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Oh, well, there's never enough, are there? Yeah. Just nowhere. So yeah. you, 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 you're a Marshall fan. What what is so special about Marshall's for you why are they your amp of choice well i i suppose it's the classic crunch sound you get with Marshall's because that's what they were sought after for initially weren't they you know that sort of um just that slightly heavier crunchy sound that you couldn't get anywhere else Mm. initially
0: can we have a little listen i'm you you, you're tooled up i'm gonna shut up because i want to hear you play some rock let's let's see what you've
28: got okay well i suppose the obvious quintessential rock riff is uh the good old smoke on the water riff sounds excellent to me (laughs) very nice uh what else have you got um well we've got more modern things like um the darkness And I'm quite jealous of Paul because he knows Slash. I'm quite heavily into, how, into how Slash. How
11: cool is
0: that? He was really playing it down. He's got Slash's phone number in his phone. I know. I wonder if Slash knows what his name means over here in the UK. So you, I hope someone has told him. <laughs> uh, can, you, can you, listen, I know you're not supposed to ask. Can I have a go on your guitar? Yeah, absolutely. Is that all yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. I'm not very, listen, I'm not very good. You take your headphones off. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm a bass player.
28: Oh, your oh, feedback.
19: Uh, Will it stretch over here?
28: That. I hope so, yeah. Let's have a little go. Let's get all
11: self-indulgent for
0: this, shall we? <laughs> oh,
28: crikey. Do you wanna, Do you wanna I've got I've got one. Oh, excellent.
0: It'll I s- always come my little boy likes playing with plectrums. Do you listen to BBC Three Counties radio? Dear listener. Now I'm not very good. Here's my here's my little uh, riff rift I can try and remember. I can't turn around, I'm afraid, Gareth. I'm stuck.
28: That's it pleasant valley sunday by the monkeys that's the best- very good i was uh, expecting not expecting that to be honest i, surprised I look me.
0: like an idiot <laughs> i look like an idiot i play like an idiot but it's it's the only riff i vaguely know is pleasant valley sunday
28: by the monkeys who got you into the guitar who's your guitar hero um well initially it was slash i suppose it started right. off and got way out of my depth almost immediately by trying to learn some of his stuff you know yeah. guns and roses um but I suppose Tom Morello is probably one of my. Who's Tom Morello? People, people, Rage are, Against the Machine. Guitarists. Right. Okay. Yeah. People might not know. Uh, yeah. That yeah. Name. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he's just the noises he makes with the thing is just ridiculous. Would you agree with me that Hendrix was rubbish? Uh, Come on, man. Let's not fall
0: out, Lloyd. Uh, oh look, I'm playing uh, guitar with my teeth and then doing a wee wee <laughs> on it. Yeah. Whatever. I just play us a song, well, Hendrix.
28: I, I not for the time, I suppose. But I, I, you look back and you sort of think, yeah, it's all good, but things are. You know, we sort of come along a lot yeah. since, haven't we? Really, Th- there are some people you see. Uh, 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 for me, it's Townsend is kind of is
0: kind of the guitar god for me, and you see people like that who just make it look so easy yeah. they they can just sit there or stand there and just make amazing sounds on the guitar. Yeah yeah yeah. Well you you're pretty good. <laughs> you're not bad. Uh, go give
28: give give us something else. Give us give us a, a burst of something. Well, I can give you um, a solo from one of our own songs if you like. Go on then, let's Maybe hear that it. That might be worth doing. <laughs>
0: not bad hey we'll have some Thank of that we'll have some of that uh, could, uh, can i make a confession to you as well yeah i've never and i don't want you to play it i've never heard stairway to heaven by Led Zeppelin. you've
28: never heard stairway to heaven
0: no i've never heard it i've heard the bit about she's buying a stairway to heaven i've heard them
28: sing that bit right but i've never heard the rest of it so, so you're doing a a show on the 50th anniversary of marshall yeah, yeah. And you've never heard. Yeah. So, okay. Are you going to walk out in disgust? <laughs> oh, really? You, 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 I, I don't know how you've managed <laughs> it, though. It and the thing
0: is, I've got so far in my life <laughs> that I'm now I'm nearly 40, I think, I'm going to try and make it to the end of my life without ever hearing it. Quite a challenge. I only ever seen one episode of Friends as well, but now we're going off on a tangent. Lloyd, listen, thank you so much for coming in. What's the name of the band? Two Breeze, And bought.
28: have you got a website? Can people come and find you somewhere? Yeah, we've got a website, Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter, YouTube, even. Whoa. We're sorted at, out. We've look got at everything. you
0: and all your social media. <laughs> networks for goodness sake really nice to meet you thank you very much for coming in thank cheers chaps. uh if you missed that or you want to see it then uh, lloyd playing his guitar and me attempting to play his guitar was filmed go to the facebook page find bbc three counties radio the footage will be up there have a great weekend i'm back on monday at six jonathan's
15: up next getting beds hearts and bugs talking
16: this
1: is bbc three counties radio thank you ian